here last week? Yes, I was here last week. Were you here on the show last week? Yes. Andy, were you? I was here, yes. Also here on the show last week? Yes. I got quite a few emails from people asking, why aren't Schwanny and Andy on? (laughs) Why weren't you on last week? Yes, we were here. I thought you were here. Yeah. What are we, what are we, am I what hearing is that in the background? Noise in the there? background. Oh, you know what? Hang on a second. That's my Facebook. I was, I was looking at stupid pictures of people on Facebook. It, it went to some. Uh, oh, wonderful show preparation there. I get, I get all my show content from Facebook. Wonderful. I thought it was you. You're the one with oh, the extraneous noise going on <laughs> all the time. I'm busy running a newsroom. I am busy running a newsroom. But uh, yeah, quite a few people. I'm, I wonder why this uh, why this is. I don't know. People didn't think you were here last. We week. were here. I was we here. were here. So where else would I, I rather we, be on yeah, Sunday? That's right. Come on. We'll be more vocal. Can I see more document uh, some documentation? Uh, yes, you can. Do you have some proof that you yes, are? Yes, I have witnesses. Listen to the show that Jack recorded last week and put up on the web. Yeah, that seems We're like there. a lot. Too much trouble too, too for much me. Tr- I had a few moments, a few spare moments. Well, you know, I'm just going through uh, Facebook, seeing what stupid stuff is on there. And uh, sure enough, there you found some stupid stuff. <laughs> plenty of stupid stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh but during the last commercial break, and not as if I wasn't hanging on every word from each and every one of our very important sponsors, but uh, I ran across I ran across an article on how to boil eggs so they're actually easy to peel. Ah, that's helpful information. That's did, you, what, did you learn how to do it? Well, I thought I already knew how to do it, but... Uh, this says because no one has 15 minutes to spend peeling an egg, and then they uh, peeling an egg, and then they explain uh, the five-step plan for perfectly boiled eggs. This is going to be your new cooking segment, I take it. Number one, start with old eggs. Who knew? Old. Yeah. How old? Uh, it says farm fresh eggs will be. See now you're engaged in this also. You would have been just as distracted as I was. <laughs> Now you want to know. Uh, Farm fresh eggs will be harder to peel than older eggs. It's a matter of their particular chemistry. But how old, though? I mean, there's going to be a point where they're going to be too old and you shouldn't eat them. Uh, It says, first get to know how to tell when eggs have gone bad. (laughs) And that's another another click. How to tell if an egg has gone bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Mm-hmm. Oh, that this is just this is taking me down a rabbit hole that I don't <laughs> stupid. Did I mention how stupid this is, by the way? Yeah, you said you were looking at stupid Facebook, Facebook postings. Facebook postings are a complete waste of your time. <laughs> I, every time I go on there, I feel like a little piece of my brain ch- chips away. <laughs> Not that I had that much to begin with anyway. Well, you said it. Uh, but anywho. Happy Sunday to you. Happy February 19th. Happy uh, President's Day Eve. Yes, tomorrow is ah, President's Day. Tomorrow is President's Day. Mm-hmm. I found a cool song. I didn't find this on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I actually went looking for this. Uh, it's a, the, uh, I, I was thinking about how many presidents can I actually name? Hmm. How many presidents can you actually name? I have to start... 
from the current president and work my way backwards. That's actually a good way to do it. Because I get lost in the weeds. <laughs> a little after Herbert Hoover, I get lost in the weeds. <laughs> so Go ahead. I, I have uh, President Biden. Okay. I have uh, President Trump. I have uh, Barack Obama. George W. Bush. Right. I have uh, Bill Clinton. Right. I have H.W. Bush. Correct. Ronald Reagan. And before that, Jimmy Carter. Correct. How sad is this news, by the way, about Jimmy Carter? It is, yes. Yeah. Breaks my heart, because I don't think we have ever had a more decent president of the United States and someone who genuinely cared about others, as he showed in his life after the after the presidency, after the presidency, caring for and doing for others all over the world, all a Nobel Peace Prize, all over the world. Yeah, I'm I'm very sad. He's 98 years old, and I respect so greatly his decision to just want to live his final days not in a hospital, not all wired up, and not you know how it how it is in the hospital. Having gone through that, and Chwani, you did too with your dad. Uh, being in the hospital, just how peaceful he wants to he wants to leave peacefully uh, and among his friend uh, among his family and uh, friends. Anyway, uh, Gerald Ford, right, was before Jimmy Carter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard Nixon was before that. Uh, was it L- was LBJ, right? Before, yes, yes. Before Nixon, right? Uh, John F. Kennedy, right? Dwight Eisenhower, right? Was before him. Uh, Harry S. Truman. Yes. Who, by the way, I learned on Facebook earlier this morning. Was he on Facebook? He wasn't. He doesn't have an, <laughs> he doesn't have an account. Harry Truman doesn't have an account. But I read an article that Harry Truman's mother was a Confederate sympathizer. And that when Harry Truman lived in the White House, she refused to sleep in the Lincoln bedroom. Because, oh, is that right? Because she was a Confederate. It's Confederate <laughs> sympathizer. So I learned, I learned something on Facebook today. Okay, where am I? Harry Truman uh, would be FDR before that. Yes. And he had four terms. That's right. So that was a the long... The only president... Right? Ever. Long, that was a long time. And then Cal- Calvin Coolidge? Nope. Hang on. Nope. Hang on. Hang on. I, I don't know. I'm lost. Herbert Hoover. Herbert Hoover. Invented the vacuum cleaner. That's right. <laughs> That's right. After he left the presidency, he was, you'd hear... Hi, I'm Herbert Hoover, and I'd like Herbert to sell Hoover. you a vacuum cleaner. Now, where was Calvin Coolidge? Before Herbert Hoover. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Herbert Hoover is not considered a great president, right? Well, he was... the president was, during the Depression. Unfortunately, yes. On his watch, uh, we uh, fell into the Great Depression, and uh, you mentioned Harry Truman. Yeah. Uh, after World War II, Truman actually brought in Herbert Hoover to help put together um, an effort to rebuild Europe and uh, mm. rebuild uh, the European economy. Really? How about that? A staunch Democrat and a staunch Republican oh, working that's together. Just, that's crazy talk. <laughs> <laughs> that could never happen. We all know but that. But Harry Truman called Herbert Hoover, invited him back to the White House, huh. and uh, talk about it. 
And uh, I understand... Wait, when Hoover was the president? I thought you said after he was... After he was president. Harry Truman was president after World War II and yeah. invited Herbert Hoover as an ex-president to... Back to the White House. Back to the White House to During consult the with Truman him. presidency. That is well, correct, yes. Well, didn't... Uh, uh, wasn't it... Was it Clinton that... Uh, became like great friends with H.W. Yeah, they were they were good friends. And after they, the presidency. Uh, 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 Barack Obama and uh, George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. Uh, they became uh, fast friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I guess it can happen. Yes, it can. I don't know what happened to us as a society, <laughs> but all right. So who so was who before, before Calvin? Close. I'm completely three lost. Guesses, in the woods. Three guesses. Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> yeah, way before. <laughs> Wait. Um, was it Woodrow Wilson? Yes. Yes. Okay. And who was before Woodrow Wilson? Thomas Jefferson? Yes. <laughs> but way before, like 150 <laughs> years. 100 years. Andy, you could chime in anytime uh, you want. Here. Yeah, let's see. Um, I've always loved the name Millard Fillmore. Well, he was way before, too. Okay. How about Grover Cleveland? You're close. Who, that sounds You're like close. a Muppet name to me. <laughs> Hey, it's not easy being How Grover? Grover. How about Pierce? Hey, Grover, Franklin you want to be in Pierce? the White House? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Pierce. <laughs> Beaker. <laughs> um, wait, now where are we? I'm lost. You, <laughs> Cleveland. We were be- I told now you, before I Woodrow l- Wilson. Literally lost I'll give in you the a woods. hint. He is the only president who was also a Supreme Court justice. Huh. I have no idea. I'm lost in the. I am completely lost in the woods here. William Howard Taft. William Taft. Howard Taft. Of course. Now wait, where was he? <laughs> he was also a Supreme Court justice. No, no, no. But I mean, was, oh, before Woodrow Wilson. He was before Woodrow. Yes. Which also sounds. You know, I'm noticing now that we're going through this. Most of the presidents' names sound like they could be Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> Woodrow. Woodrow. Grover. Millard. <laughs> Rutherford B. Hayes. Wasn't Grover Cleveland president twice? And in non-succeeding terms. Yeah, yes. that's what I mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. not not uh, winning re-election, but in two... Uh, he had two terms, but they weren't in succession. Hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, that's why, uh, that's why this song that I found this morning uh, is so helpful. You want to hear uh, a little of it? It's not easy being green. We'll take a listen to this. Okay. We didn't start the fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Billy Joel saying <laughs> Billy Joel saying this. We omitted Warren Harding before, uh, w- uh, after Woodrow Wilson. Yeah, story of his life. Who's <laughs> we? You you eliminated him. Well, okay, I did. All right, I'll. <laughs> take the blame and take the blame for everything. Did Warren else. Harding have any special prominence? Um, I, mean, I know he was he president. Was, he was involved. Didn't with one of them put a to- uh, a bathtub in the? That was Taft. That was Taft. That was Taft. Yeah, Taft or Millard Fillmore? No, way before, way after Fillmore. I think it was Millard Fillmore. <laughs> you want to make a bet? <laughs> I think it was Millard Fillmore that installed the Put first the bathtub. Yeah, I tell you what, the song helps because I remember it does uh, help. in eighth grade. You know, leaning back on my schoolhouse rock years to do the uh, the preamble, everybody was singing it in their heads as they were writing them down in our Constitution tests. Oh. We the people, in order to form a more perfect union. It's 
isn't quite as uh, melodic. No, it's not. No. But it's you know it's something it's, that you can kind of latch onto and maybe start to memorize. Yeah, I think if you're a little kid that you know hasn't burnt out most of your brain cells like Schwani and I have. <laughs> I knew it, I knew I was going to be included well, in that. Because, well, because it's true. <laughs> you you who thinks that William Taft in, uh, not invented the bathtub, but he, invent he put the bathtub. He put the first. He put that. What did they? How did they clean themselves in the White House prior to that? Like everybody else did. You know they they uh, had. Um, out the outside showers, I guess. Oh, that's the gross. That's gross. I do not look, want to look out the window and see a, gro- a naked Grover Cleveland. <laughs> I don't want to be a neighbor on Pennsylvania Boulevard, Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah, whatever. That too. <laughs> well, this is our little tribute to presidents. the presidents today. Aren't they all happy about? All that? right, now repeat the sing the song back to me. Anyone. <laughs> Harry Truman, Doris Day, Red <laughs> Doris Day. <laughs> I'm going Vogue. back to We Didn't Start the Fire. Vogue, 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 Vogue. <laughs> uh, let me see here. I have some um, presidential trivia. Oh, cool. Oh, Shwani, you should be interested in this because you're in, uh, big time into the national parks. Mm-hmm. Ulysses S. Grant established Yellowstone as the nation's first national park. March 1st, 1872. That's right. Grover Cleveland personally answered the White House phone. Hmm. How would that be if you're just calling to find out? It was out? one of the first phones installed, too, in the White House around uh, Grover Cleveland's time. You're calling to find out what time do the tours start, and Grover Cleveland <laughs> answers the phone. Grover the Muppet Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> what about Super Grover? Super Grover. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Calvin Coolidge lit the first national Christmas, Christmas tree. tree. That's right. 1923. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Carter was the only president. He studied nuclear physics. And, Served on a submarine, too. Yeah, nuclear sub, exactly right. Yeah. Uh, oh, here's the little fun fact that I found earlier. Harry Truman's mother, a Confederate sympathizer, refused to sleep in the Lincoln bedroom during <laughs> during White House visits. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, very interesting. It's a good day. It's a good day to go back and uh, you know remember some of the presidents. You know, my brother and I, when I, we were kids, our grandparents would take us to IHOP, and IHOP used to have these little placemats for kids that actually had the faces of the presidents on them. Oh, see. So I remember just kind of looking back at that, you know, recalling the picture that I have in my head of it. Yeah. And when you think of uh, John Quincy Adams... I think Rudy Tootie Fresh and Fruity. (laughs) You think French toast. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Schwani. What do you think of when you think of James Buchanan? I have no recollection. No, no no recollection. Should I? What should should I be thinking? Well, I don't know. Martin Uh, Van Buren, of course, featured prominently in the Seinfeld episode with the Van Buren boys. (laughs) (laughs) Schwani and may I quote from the Legends of America website, legendsofamerica.com. Millard Fillmore installed the first bathtub and kitchen stove in the White House. Oh, we did. Okay, so it wasn't Taft. As I just got done As you got done selling me. Okay, okay, okay. Wow. 
<laughs> Somebody marked this down. I was right about something. <laughs> First time ever. It's, got, it's bound to happen. And good morning, everyone. I hope you have your compasses and protractors Always ready to go. ready to go. Because today we go to Archery, Georgia. Huh. Archery, Georgia is in Webster County in the state of Georgia. goes back to about 1913, and we mention Archery, Georgia, because it is very, very close, only three miles away to Plains, Aww. Georgia. As a matter of fact, Archery is the site of the boyhood farm where Jimmy Carter grew up. He was mm-hmm. born in Plains, but the farm was close to Archery, Georgia, and of course, Plains, Georgia received a lot of notoriety in the 1970s when he was president. Uh, but uh, that is uh, where uh, he uh, has chosen to uh, to stay, and of course, now we've been reporting that he's receiving home hospice care. Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. Yeah. And he was, in, born, he was born in Plains. Born in Plains, His yes. His whole entire life in plains georgia yeah and you know what a lot of people forget is that he no one knew who he was when he started to run for president and just gained a lot of notoriety and ultimately became the democratic nominee and then beat uh the incumbent uh, president gerald ford who of course became president after richard nixon resigned the only president to not have been elected right he and George Washington, technically. Cause I thought what Washington was by... Uh, but the second term. For the second, oh, term. second term. Yes. So you're right. He was, uh, you fake, know... A fake election. <laughs> yeah, right. Fake election results. <laughs> but we have uh, clear skies and uh, 51 degrees in Archery, Georgia, and Plains, Georgia today. Right now, though, it's time for our weekly visit with Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern Central DuPage Hospital. Kev, good morning to you. We were uh, just talking about Jimmy Carter uh, and uh, his decision to be placed into hospice as opposed to continuing to uh, receive medical treatment. Uh, He had uh, been uh, suffering from uh, cancer uh, that apparently had spread to his brain and liver and made the decision to uh, stay at home. Uh, live out the remainder of his days uh, instead of in a hospital uh, near his uh, family and uh, friends. Could you explain that whole uh, process of, you know, what uh, what's the difference between hospital care and hospice care? Yeah, absolutely, Dean. And it is important. You know, sometimes in life we're dealt a hand of a terminal illness. What we do as physicians is we discuss what the wants are of the individual. Does the individual want to continue to to get care and to get treatment, although it may just be very putative and and have really no chance of working? Whereas hospice care, we focus on the palliation of the individual. We want to treat their pain and their symptoms. We want to prioritize on comfort and quality of life so that, that they can be in the comfort of their home, that they can still be kept comfortable with medications. It's not that we stop treating them. We treat the symptoms more than the disease at that point. But if someone had, like, uh, like President Carter, let's say he got pneumonia, we would still give him antibiotics because that's treatable. But as far as chemotherapy, he understands that his disease is terminal and he wants to now be in the comfort of his home, surrounded by his family for his final days. Yeah, not uh, not go through the uh, trauma. Trauma is too mild a word uh, for 
uh, chemo, radiation, some of the other treatments that cancer uh, patients endure when there is hope that they might be cured. Uh, President Carter apparently has been told that his cancer is uh, not uh, treatable, so he's not going to go through that suffering uh, and instead will be kept uh, comfortable uh, with uh, uh, medication and so forth, I presume, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, hospice hospice can be done in the home. There are other hospice centers. It's that we get you out of the environment of the hospital itself, which, you know, is, is not, you know, I mean, we all love great hospitals that take great care of us, but it's not the most relaxing environment. It's not the most comforting environment at times. So we really want to make sure that we have the individual in a place where they can be comfortable, where if they want to have 20, 20 family members present, they can do that. Where if they want to have a chocolate milkshake and, you know, a, a Italian beef, they can do that. So things that we don't do in the hospital particularly well, um, they can do in a hospice setting, whether it be at home with a hospice nurse or whether it be in a hospice center where they focus, again, on the comfort of these individuals in their final days. Yeah. The... Uh the uh, the people who work in hospice settings i mean you know i've I, i've said that uh, you know doctors and, and nurses are angels walking amongst us on earth but the people who work in the hospice uh, settings are truly angels because they um, they they know what they're dealing with and they work to make uh, a person's final days as uh, comfortable and as pleasant as uh, possible uh, God bless them in every single way that you can think of is all I can say. Absolutely, Dean. And not only do they make the patient comfortable, they make the family comfortable with the decisions. They inform the family of what they're doing to make sure that the individual is comfortable. So they essentially have two patients, the patient themselves and the family and friends. And I'll tell you, you hit it right on the head. They are angels because they are dealing with people who pass away every single day. We're in the hospital we get the, the joy of someone coming in sick and we're sending them home healthy. We get the joy of someone coming in pregnant, we send them home with a baby. You know, in hospice, it's, okay, let's have a celebration of this individual's life while you can keep him comfortable and keep him in a very uh, uh, desires that he wanted at the end of his or her life. Uh, it's got to be one of the most difficult decisions that a person or a person's family uh, would have to make, right, to, to make that decision of uh, uh, going into hospice? Oh, absolutely. You know, and a lot of times there's the guilt feeling of, oh, I'm, we're not doing everything we possibly can. But then there's also times with a very good, whether it be a surgeon or an oncologist or just a, a I shouldn't say just, but an internal medicine doctor who's cared for these people to make them understand the reality of what is going to happen. And certainly sometimes we can extend a person's life, let's say, three, four months more by doing some more chemotherapy. But during that time, are they going to be uncomfortable? Are they going to be nauseated? Are they going to have, you know, bad things happen to them? Versus knowing the inevitable, let's make sure that my final days are comfort-driven and really focused about how I want to end my life with my family and friends present in a setting other than the hospital. Yeah, quality of life for those final days, uh, really. Uh, Kev, uh, you know, counseled me greatly with my brother and my mom, who are now both passed away, on you know the decisions that uh, end of life decisions that had to be made, and you know, do I want to try to extend someone, you know, one of their lives 
by a month or so by you know putting a stomach pump in or you know a feeding feeding tubes and you know things like that which are always unpleasant and can cause uh, you know problems on their own so I think it's a very courageous decision I think it's and it's it it just seems very very peaceful that Jimmy Carter and his family came to this decision that uh, he will live out the rest of his days however many there are uh, in in the most peaceful uh, you know pleasant love filled surroundings that there could possibly be indeed we have to understand there are doctors who are trained in palliative medicine. It is a residency that you do. You are a specialist. And we're very fortunate in Northwestern to have a great team of palliative doctors that sit and discuss everything with the patient. And they do this with, you know, that's their practice. So certainly um, we have doctors, oncologists, and, and other doctors who are very good at end-of-life decisions. But we also have, we're very fortunate have palliative medicine physicians who will sit and discuss this and and really make it understandable for both the patient and the family. And uh, we can't thank them enough for what they do, yeah. just like you said with the nurses and hospitals. Angels, absolute angels. When you are, you know, suddenly confronted with having to make decisions about end of life, resuscitate, do not resuscitate, uh, you know, it's it's overwhelming for the the you know people who are having to make these decisions, and hopefully you've you know discussed all that way before you get to that point. Uh, so you know, decisions uh, can be made based on what the person actually wants. Uh, you know, the the it, it's overwhelming for uh, the family, for the patient, if you know if they are conscious enough to understand uh, what's what's going on. So having these palliative doctors, having uh, these nurses, the uh, uh, the hospice uh, care team uh, helping you through all of this is uh, super important. Uh, you know, we're, we're you know, sending all of our prayers to, to Jimmy Carter uh, for uh, a peaceful uh, exit. But uh, I also bring it up today, just, you know, people need to have these talks around their own families, don't they? Of uh, you know the the kinds of decisions that may may have to be made at one time or another. One hundred percent. I don't think you can stress that point high enough because as you get closer to the end of life, decisions are going to be made by somebody, either by you if you're able to, or by a power of attorney. So certainly you would want to know your wishes to be made. So it's a good discussion to have with family. It's a good discussion to have with your physician to say, you know what, I want to be comfortable at the end. I don't want to have a tube in my throat and put on a breathing machine to just extend my life. You know, all those tough discussions are much easier done when the family is healthy and you can discuss an open, honest dialogue of what your wishes and desires are than at the emotional time when you're in the hospital and at the yeah. end and we're making decisions uh, in real time. Yeah, when you're dealing with grief and, you know, you're, you're dealing with a million other things. If it's on, uh, on paper because you discussed it three years ago, five years ago, 20 years ago, you know, the, you know exactly what course the person uh, wanted to, uh, to take. I, I talked to probably three or four people this week. I don't know, it came up in conversation somehow that people don't have wills. They don't have uh, power of attorney. They don't have, you know, uh, living wills. They, 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 don't, they, they just don't want to deal with that. I get it. It's not a fun conversation to have. 
but it's it's better to have it ahead of time than to be dealing with it at the last minute. Oh, absolutely. And people have to understand, you can change your mind. You can say, you know what, I this is what it, in this day and right now, this is what I'm thinking. Five years from now, something may have changed. You say, you know what, this is how I'm thinking. So you can change it. It is a living document that can be changed. But you're absolutely right, you know. It's, and it makes it so much easier for the individuals who are going to be making those decisions when you can't, that this is what your wishes were, that we're not going to harm you by doing something because you didn't want it done, but we didn't know that you didn't want it done. And it takes away that guilt portion of it as well for yep. those surviving members. I'm going to get to questions for Dr. Kevin Most in a second. Uh, one that uh, was texted in from the 407 in terms of elderly care, can you explain the difference between memory care and assisted living? Correct. So, okay. So, assisted living can be anybody who has any medical condition whatsoever. In other words, they can just be older and need to have some assistance, be it with a nurse or a patient care tech, but they're living in an environment where they need something more than what they can do. That's assisted their living. In memory care, they're focusing on, again, those Alzheimer's patients and those dementia patients. They're going to make the environment much more safer. They're going to really focus on what can we do for this individual based on many of them being in one area. So with uh, assisted living, there's some assisted living where you drive a car, you can still go out, you can do a whole bunch of things, but you have the capabilities of having some health care in the area that you're living in where the memory care, it's a much more safer environment for those individuals who have lost some of their cognitive functions um, and certainly are more concerned about harming themselves if they were not in an environment where they, where they knew where they, they were protected. Yeah, hope that helps. 312-981-7200 to call or text your questions for Dr. Kevin Most next. With Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital, Anything in the way of COVID we should be aware of this week, Kev? No, actually, COVID is, uh, keep our fingers crossed, is, is really stabilizing and really no big changes. We're starting to see a couple little uh, sub-variants popping up, but not anything um, pressing. And I think that the date of May 10th is certainly going to continue to go in place. Um, and I think it's really going to be, what are we going to do post that coming out? As far as vaccines and medications, that is going to be the most important thing. But we're just kind of keeping our fingers crossed. Maybe it's the weather is nice and we're not gathering indoors as much, but uh, no Super Bowl bump that we've seen yet. All right, good. Let's keep it that way. The uh, 269 area code texts, should we allow an unvaccinated visiting relative to stay in a household full of vaccinated people? Well, we have to remember that the unvaccinated person is the person who is at risk. So if they are asymptomatic, you know, certainly the people who are fully vaccinated and if fully vaccinated and boosted are very well protected. That individual is unvaccinated is the one that's at risk. So could he carry the disease and could he carry COVID or influenza into the house? Certainly. Could you ask for a negative test prior to coming in? That is very commonplace right now. Tests are extremely accessible. And I think that would set everybody in the family at ease, knowing that the individual who was unvaccinated tested negative coming into the home. Lots of uh, texts regarding power of attorney, uh, last wishes, uh, hospice care, etc. 
Uh, one from the 773 area code said, my primary care physician had me give him a copy of my medical power of attorney and living will before he would treat me. Wow, that's that's a, a, an interesting uh, way of doing it, I guess, right? That, yeah, that is interesting. And um, it's good that you do give a copy because nothing worse than someone showing up in the emergency room in the hospital and not knowing what that is. So good that, that you give a copy. Kind of unusual. It says, I want to have a copy before yeah. I do that. Or else, yeah. or else, right. get, or now, else get out. Uh, somebody yeah, for, for individuals to, that want to find this uh, very simple document, it's called a POLST, P-O-L-S-T form, Practitioner Order for Life-Sustaining Treatment. You can get it on the IDPH website. It's very easy. You can print it up and fill it out easily by yourself. Yeah, another text uh, says, can we go to a hospital office to get medical power of attorney papers? I, I think I seem to remember that, uh, where where they bring in papers saying, if you don't have power of attorney, we'll get you the blank forms and you can fill them out if you want to. Absolutely. We're getting them online. The Pulse form is one of those that says, this is what I want. No CPR, CPR. I'll take this port of treatment. I won't take that. So certainly those are all available. Your your, uh, primary care physician should be able to grab those for you as well in real time and go over them with you and explain what each of the boxes that you may check actually means. Yeah, I I remember when my mother was in her final days, the uh, social workers at the hospital were terrific in, uh, you know, helping out with, uh, you know, things like that, which we had already done ahead of time. But uh, yeah, it can definitely be done in the hospital setting. Michael is on the phone line with Dr. Kevin Most. Hi, you're on WGN. Hey, uh, hey, doctor. Um, my question is, um, my 72-year-old sister has Sjogren's syndrome. Is she at increased risk from the virus? Yes, absolutely. So um, Sjogren's a you know, protein disorder here. Certainly because of a potential immunocompromised state, sometimes they take steroids, which can decrease your your immuno uh, status, um, as well as some of the other medications that they take. So certainly she would be at slight increased risk due to her immunocompromised state due to the disease. Oh, oh thank you. And thank you for the call. Uh, here is the 847 area code uh, texting in has dementia diagnosis uh, percentage risen over the last two years i'm wondering the correlation of dementia onset with the covid vaccine it does seem like we're hearing about people uh, getting dementia more and more often bruce willis just this week uh you know uh, his family announcing that he now has uh full-fledged dementia yeah um The only thing I didn't like about the question is it linked it to the COVID vaccine. I certainly do not think that there's any linkage there whatsoever. Uh, Most of the individuals who are now being diagnosed with dementia were well into early dementia, well before COVID ever started. So certainly we know the COVID vaccine protects some of this from getting the virus from getting into the brain. So if anything, it would slow that down. I think there's more awareness of it, Dean, and I think there's more acceptance of it. You know, it used to be don't talk about it. You know, now we're openly talking about we're talking about research. We're talking about future potential medications. So we're hearing more and more about it. And I think that just is raising the awareness so that we feel more people may be getting 
coming down with uh, Alzheimer's. Yeah, we'll uh, talk more about that in the coming weeks. Kevin, we hope you have a great Sunday today. As always, we appreciate you joining us. Thank you. You got it, Dean. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Dr. Kevin Most, uh, Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern's Central DuPage Hospital. I have to give a shout-out, as the kids like to call it, (laughs) (laughs) to uh, a pizza place that I went to last night. I was oh, on okay. I was on the the south side, my old neighborhood in Mount Greenwood, and uh, visiting uh, visiting a relative. And uh, afterwards, like, hey, you want to go get something to eat? Uh, there was uh, this Italian place that I've heard nothing but good things about, called Baracos. I've heard of Baracos. Baracos. They have uh, several locations. Uh, the one I was at was uh, on 111th Street near Kedzie, and I had what they call the Nikki Special Pizza which is a super, super, super thin crust pizza. Hmm. Not just thin crust, super, super thin crust. And the the, uh, the the crust was perfect. Like a cracker almost. Almost like, yeah. a, almost like a cracker. Yeah, yeah, those are good. Oh, I like those. Gosh. Yeah. And the, the toppings uh, uh, were good. Just everything was really good. So, you know, people are always... I, w- I was telling somebody from out of town the other day, if you want to get into a fight with somebody in Chicago, you know, mention the mayoral race. Talk about gun control. <laughs> if uh, you want to get into a fight, talk about abortion rights. <laughs> if or, you want to get into a fight, or talk about where the best pizza is, <laughs> the, the guaranteed you the will, pizza will be the most contentious. You yeah. will get into an argument with somebody about this. But I got to tell you, I mean, I I love I, occasionally I love a nice uh, deep dish. You know, can't go wrong with the nice Lou Malnati's. Uh, my go-to, uh, because uh, Baracos is not near my house, uh, I order from uh, D'Agostino's. I think they oh, have a, really those good. are good. Yeah, very, yeah, very yeah, good yeah. thin crust pizza there. Bartoli's also uh, in uh, Roscoe Village. There, there you go. Very good thin yeah, crust. Some good, good stuff. Uh, and now I'm going to add Baracos to this list. Uh, my first time. I know it's been there forever, and I've people have told me about it. But uh, my first time being able to actually uh, enjoy it last night. So there you go. It's my pizza recommendation. Sounding good. So happy President's Day and pizza. <laughs> Just pizza. It's not pizza day or anything. Shwani, before we went to the break, uh, did you say that it was National Pizza Day? Well, it was last week sometime. Yeah, I think it was last week. Oh, yeah. Okay. But to me, every day is National Pizza Day. Yeah, I'll tell you what, there's, there's even bad pizza is good. Yeah. No, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> I am not fussy when it comes to pizza. It's good. I'll tell you what, this, uh, this pizza that I had at Barocco's last night was pretty outstanding. I'm going to... Uh, what uh, what is your favorite uh, pizza, Shawnee? Do you have a favorite? Well, you meant you know I'm with you. You know I like the good deep dish. Um, I being uh, someone who uh, was from Northwest Indiana, the South suburbs. Uh, those of us who grew up around there know Aurelio's oh, pizza. Aurelio's pizza is good, and uh, their thin crust. All of their pizzas are are just really great. There happens to be one in my neighborhood uh, right now, but. Uh, 
They have the thin crust pizzas uh, from Aurelio's and uh, other area, other uh, pizzerias like that. I also want to mention. Would one. you like to give your home address, by the way, in case they want to just drop <laughs> sure, some off at your sure. house? Sure, three two one Mayberry Lane. <laughs> Mayberry Lane. That's that's right. Well, you're right next Floyd's, to Clara. You're right next to Clara's house. Next to Clara's, and Floyd is down the street. Oh, Floyd, that's a that's a good pizza. Aurelio's. Oh, oh, I I love it. In the uh, sausage, I like it in the Italian Ooh. beef sandwich. Andy, it's a good beef sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Went there last. No, you know the fancy uh, on uh, Andy Griffith is Morelli's. That's where you get the pizza. Is that a pizza place on, mm-hmm. on the Andy Griffith? Show? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Only you would know that. Yes. <laughs> With the uh, with the red and white check tablecloths. Oh, of course. And there's the little dance floor there. Right. I believe uh, Gomer uh, did a little dance. Gomer there, did he? something. Gomer he Goober, was dancing yeah. with Helen, and she did not like it. Yeah. Well, welcome to Nerd's Corner, our new feature on the show. <laughs> welcome to our new feature on the show, I Watch Way Too Much TV. <laughs> Now I watched the. Well, Andy you were Griffith watching. We were watching Facebook posts when you I, were supposed to be doing what? the show. I, it was just to keep me keep you occupied. keep me mentally engaged. She didn't want to listen to my newscast. Yeah, think That's of it right. as uh, you know, you know, a lot of athletes, Andy. They they warm up a little. Yeah. Bit. You know they they uh, you know for the all star game, they're going to be out there warming up a little bit before the actual game starts. Right. That's what I was doing. Yeah. You're going to play a video game now, too? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) What's your favorite pizza place, Andy? Well, I've got categories because uh, for Thin, I agree with you, D'Agostino is pretty hard to beat. I like the... uh, That's a good pizza I like their pizza. Um, Lumalnati's for deep dish. And if I'm in the mood for something in between, I go to Roots. Hmm. Roots is good? Yeah. Yes. I don't believe I've ever had Roots pizza. Well, I highly recommend it. Let me give my home address out right now, so okay. in case anyone wants to drop any off at my house. Uh, what like what's what is it? It's like so roots is uh, it's not quite deep dish. It's not quite thin. Yeah, it's actually a quad city style pizza, which oh, is the like sheet pan uh, style. Well, no, it's like uh, the the crust is malted. It's a little sweeter, so it's kind of in between the thin and the thick. And hmm. the ingredients are underneath the cheese, and they don't uh, they don't uh, cut it with a little roller. They they actually scissor it with strips and mm. strips. Yeah, I've seen that. It's really good. I've seen that. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Okay. Um. I'm going to open up the phone lines. Uh, oh, people are asking what were my topics last night. I'm telling you what you want to get into a discussion yeah. in Chicago. You, you just bring up pizza, and uh, you know we we could do the rest of the show. <laughs> oh, just, easily just, just on, on pizza. Easily just on pizza. Uh, and depending on how things go for the things I have planned, maybe we will. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're just continuing to talk about what you're watching you're on right. Facebook I'm between going now and for, 1 o'clock. I'm going for whatever the audience wants. I'm listening to the audience there you go. of uh, what they want. Can I throw in one more real quick Absolutely, here? It's in a seasonal place, though. For those of you who are familiar with the Michiana, New Buffalo, Michigan area, there's a seasonal place that's just open uh, spring, summer, and fall called Stop 50 Pizza. It's that super thin crust that you were talking about a moment ago, Dean. What does Stop 50 mean? Stop 50. Is it on Route 50 or well, something? Well, you're close. You're close. It's named for what was a bus stop in that area huh. there at one time. And it's off 
Um, US-12, you have to actually go into a wooded area there, uh, run by um, a man and his family. is is a, definitely a family-owned business, but they serve it up very well it's good. in a wood-fired oven. It's just delicious. Tavern-style cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, freshly grown vegetables that are put on the uh, on the uh, pizza is yeah. grown right there. They have a garden. It's it's fantastic. We had uh, somebody uh, giving away pizza on the TV morning show the other day, mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm not gonna like get into names because my review is not that favorable <laughs> for them. I didn't care for the pizza. I thought it was way too greasy. But also, they cut it New York style. They cut oh. it in slices. And I just don't like slices of pizza. I like tavern cut. You mean the squares? Squares. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. The, the don't you think the slices are too messy and they can't. They depending on the well, over. depending on how big the slices themselves are, you know, they can be. It's too much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> the way around that though is a knife and a fork yeah. and a plate. Well. <laughs> You're so. Oh, listen to you, Mister <laughs> Emily Post, <laughs> with two napkins. Yes, linen napkins too. By the way, yeah. uh, the uh, let me see here. Eight four seven area code. We were at Baracos in Evergreen Park last night. They have. I know they have a location on Ninety Fifth Street, and I believe that's the Evergreen Park location. And saw Mama Baracko. Wow! If I would have mm. known Mama Baracko was. Hanging out at the Evergreen Park location, I would have swung down there. But uh, yeah, it's and and somebody's asking how do you spell this? It's B A R A C C O, B A R A C C O, Baracos in uh, Evergreen Park. Uh, somebody, someone has t- texted in Barnaby's. Remember Barnaby's? Oh, I love Barnaby's, yeah. Barnaby's pizza from back in the day. Yeah, there's still one open, but the one I know of. Um in, uh, I think that might be is it on Cald- Niles. It's Caldwell. on Caldwell near Oakton. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Uh, I, w- I wonder. Boy, I used to go to I used oh, to go to man. Barnaby's all the time. There was one in Calumet City, I think. I think that's on the Torrance one, Avenue. That's the one that I used to yeah. go to all the time. Yeah, yep. yeah. I think this. Uh, I, I was actually recently at this uh, that location about a year ago, watching a football game over really? there. Really. The best part about that again, you order your food in one spot, you go to the other th- side and get your and get your drinks. Yep wasn't all together very efficient very efficient uh i guess it's past I, I don't even know if the one in calumet city is still there but i believe it's, i don't think it is i believe it's past statute of limitations anyway <laughs> <laughs> they uh they would sell us beer oh yeah before we were legally supposed to be drinking beer no you mean you tried to you ordered oh, i didn't try i did you, <laughs> he succeeded i'm not I'm not i'm taking full i i wouldn't that be funny if I got arrested for underage drinking now? <laughs> at my age? At your age? Uh-huh. At my age. <laughs> there was no video surveillance back then. We we had just gotten our, you know, all of my buddies, we had just gotten our first cars. And like big shots, we drive over to the Barnaby's. Is that Cal, Cal City? Is that Calumet where? City, yeah. On Torrance, I remember yeah. it well. We would all, like, you know, we could all easily have gone on one car, but we wanted to each drive... <laughs> Or new cars. Your new cars. <laughs> and to make it even better, we'd go there and have pizza and drink beer <laughs> when we weren't supposed to, 17 years old or he something. He admits it. He admits it on the air. And then got you heard it here. back on our motor vehicles <laughs> and operated our motor vehicles with our stupid 17-year-old brains <laughs> full of booze. 
No questions were asked, apparently. No questions were asked. They just, you ordered the beer and they brought it. I always looked older than I was. Anyway. Yeah, you just, yeah, you sure do. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people don't know that I'm actually 147 years old. Wow. Our phone line. This is so funny. You know, we could bring up the mayoral election. We could bring up the world's problems right now, and we would have crickets on the phones. We would have nothing it going. It never fails, though. Pizza, candy, hot dogs, the, ice cream. The phone this lines. is what happens. Our phone lines have exploded over Barnaby's and Aurelia. Nice. <laughs> oh, it says here, one of these, the 312 area code, Barracos is opening a location at 157th and Harlem in Orland Park. All right. I know where I'm going for lunch. <laughs> pizza. Pizza, your official pizza station. You know what? Who, your official pizza station. Who am I to buck the trend here? Let me. I'm going to open up our phone lines. A lot of you are texting Let's in, do it. But uh, let me find out where your favorite pizza joints are here. Let's do it. Open up the phones, 312 981 7200. It's your favorite pizza joint in Chicago. Boy, our text line has just absolutely exploded. Uh, someone is saying uh, Ock and Luz in Aurora, just off of Farnsworth. Hey, maybe I'll stop there on my way to the Paramount in Aurora. You think they'd mind if I brought a pizza in the theater? If I sat there watching a play, eating a pizza on my lap while I, while I was watching the show? Probably not. Uh, Papa Joe's on Milwaukee Avenue on the far northwest side. Best Chicago Thin Crust. Uh, best Cornmeal Crust. Barnaby's. Yeah, I do remember that Cornmeal Crust at Barnaby's. Uh, and it says it's still in Northbrook on Skokie Boulevard. Uh, Rocky's Pizza in Westchester. Some of your favorites. Vito and Nick's. A couple of mentions on our text line this morning. Roger, how about you? What's your favorite pizza joint? Roger, well, are, you, are you there? Yeah, I, I'm here. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, uh, Marie's on uh, Lawrence Avenue and Trip, and on Lawrence and Elston, Sandals. Both thin crust. Yeah. And uh, Bob Surratt loves Marie's also. <laughs> I'm going to have to give that a try. I've heard, I've heard about Marie's yeah. many times. I've been there. That's that's a cool little dining experience in there, too. Is it like a really yeah, old old school yeah. kind of... And they have a liquor store right next to it. Nothing right wrong with next that. To it. Yeah. I used to take... When I uh, used to coach the grammar school basketball teams, I used to take them there after the season, and George owned the place, and now Nadine is... Uh, daughter does but it, it's a great place for pizza but the ambience there she changes it almost all the time and it's, it's really a cool place to go to but the pizza is absolutely delicious and that's the one that's on lawrence avenue near trip you said yeah yes it is that's marie's that's yes. marie's okay i'm gonna give that a i'm gonna give that a shot and the other one was called santos Santos, which is at Elston and Lawrence. Elston and Lawrence. Okay. All right. That was not too far. Never left Lawrence Avenue. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I appreciate the uh, call, my friend. Thank you, Roger. No, thanks for doing it. This was really cool. (laughs) Yeah. Finally, talking about something important on the radio. (laughs) Never mind that mayoral election going on. This is something that the, the people really care about. Uh, let's see here. By far, 
the best pizza in Chicago is Antioch Pizza in the far northern suburbs. I, I'm guessing in Antioch. I don't know. Uh, it says best pizza ever. All right. We'll think about that next time we're up that way. Mid Villa in Palos Heights, Rose Angeles, and Evergreen Park. Great uh, thin crust pizza. Roots, the one you were talking about here, oh, Andy, yeah. uh, is Quad Cities Pizza. Uh, for other Quad Cities food, one should go to JT's Genuine Sandwich Shop. I've driven by JT's. That's on. That is also on uh, Elston, uh, just south of Irving Park Road. And uh, I've so many people have told me that they have killer sandwiches there. You have to give it a try. And uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm always busy when I go by there, but I'm going to have to make it a point to go there and uh, check out some Quad City uh, favorite things. Villanova's in Stickney, the original home run in on 31st and Kildare. In Chicago, you know what I had? Uh, some frozen home run in pizza. That's a really good for frozen pizza. It was really, really, really good. I haven't had one in a long time, but they are good. Yeah, you know, sometimes frozen pizzas hit or miss. Doesn't taste that good. Uh, whatever. But uh, this this frozen home run in that I had, uh, they had some at the you know at the TV station, and uh, you know somebody. You know, all you got to do is like put a pizza in a little toaster oven in a TV station, and uh, you know the, all the work stops suddenly because you're smelling pizza in the place. Uh, but uh, for 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 frozen pizza, I got to give it to Home Run and they did a good job. Uh, Baroni's in Glen Ellen. Anyone heard of that? Uh, frozen Connie's is pretty good. Connie's is good. Connie's is good pizza. Yeah, there's some. Uh, we're lucky we have some some pretty good joints in the uh, Chicago area. Giordano's uh, in Morton Grove. Somebody says I haven't had Giordano's pizza in years. Yeah, me neither. Mm. Sounds like a show field trip. I, Shwani, uh, <laughs> put that on the list of places. <laughs> okay, where, we'll where do we, the show where we want to do the show. Okay. Yeah. I'm th- I'm thinking. Uh, also, I was thinking about this earlier this week with all the news stories. Uh, when the Bears move out of Soldier Field, I would like to start doing the show there. Ah. It's a I think big we, radio studio, yeah. I think we could fill up Soldier Field every Sunday. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> Don't you think? Yeah. Quite a pregame show, huh? <laughs> It'd be better than what most fans are used to seeing there. Yeah. You can get your new buddies, Hamp and Obi, to come over there <laughs> exactly. and do their little show from there. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> All right. Well, that's okay. We've got some uh, we've got some good uh, pizza choices here. Thank you for uh, all of your suggestions. Coming up after the news, if you are a fan of the novel Devil in the White City, I think you're going to be very interested in a theatrical production that is going to be staged uh, in about a month or so. We'll talk about that coming right up for for uh, decades, I would say. Uh, people have been asking me, when are they ever going to make a film version of the novel Devil in the White City? The tremendously popular uh, novel that was set to be made into a movie and then uh, came off the list uh, for being made into a movie and on again, off again. Honestly, I don't even know what the status is of it right now. Last I heard, Leonardo DiCaprio was 
somehow attached to it and uh, that uh, they they still want to make it but as i say literally it's been decades so uh when i'm not going to hold my breath for that if i do hear something about that of course i will let you know immediately but what caught my attention this week was uh, a a notice that i got about a new production being uh, that's going to be put on by theater in the dark uh, which is a whole interesting concept in and of itself. But they are going to be doing an original audio play called The White City, an audible exhibition on H.H. H. Holmes' murderer. And it is, uh, as I understand it, a thriller uh, based on the story of the notorious Chicago serial killer H.H. H. Holmes, who is said to have murdered more than 20 people during the World's Columbian Exposition here in Chicago in 1893. So I wanted to uh, dig into this a little bit. So we've got um, uh, Rick Kennebrew, who is the playwright of this, to explain it all to us, and also Corey Bradbury, who is the uh, producer and director of it, also the artistic director, by the way, of uh, Theater in the Dark, uh, guys, it's a pleasure to have you both on with us here. Uh, there is so much interest in, uh, you know, White City, Devil in the White City, uh, et cetera. Just that that whole storyline, uh, uh, Rick. That had to be uh, part of your interest in uh, developing this, right? Uh, yeah, and, and thanks for having us. Happy Sunday morning to you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, I heard about Holmes when I was working for the city of Chicago way back in 2000. And uh, the, the big book hadn't come out yet. So when I got interested in him, I had to go to the Historical Society to learn about him and, and read old newspapers. Mm. Um, so I started the folder on him. And uh, years later, when I had a nice stage version of the White City, then bam, the pandemic closed the theaters and no more live theater. But during the quiet lockdown time, I listened to Theater in the Dark's version of Moby Dick, and it was it was so cool. It was really fast and, and kind of transporting. So I reworked the White City as an audio play, and I and I reached out to Corey. Yeah, it was uh, so interesting during the pandemic. While it was devastating in so many ways, uh, the theater community, the artistic community, uh, artists, actors, musicians, etc., uh, I found fascinating the ways that they were able to still express their creativity. And Theater in the Dark, Corey, was one of them. Why don't we start off by explaining what this is, Theater in the Dark? Yeah, thanks. And again, thanks for having us on. It's a real pleasure to talk with you again. Um, Yeah, we have moved into a digital um, mixed media space where we were originally purely performing and creating shows meant to be performed in the dark, uh, in person. And uh, one of the, I guess, silver linings of yeah, the forced innovation of the theater community for us is that we jumped into uh, creating audio plays online, which, of course, has a long history from the golden age of radio in the 50s and beyond. 
So we bring that idea now into the 21st century using original music, like really rich soundscapes, and we're connecting actors in real time across the city instead of gathering on one stage. So for the listener, instead of tuning into a radio, you take yourself to either a theaterinthedark.com and you can stream or download our audio plays on demand. Or for this piece as well, we're doing three live online broadcasts, March 14th, 15th, and 16th. So it's a cool new way of reaching audiences that also has a long theater history behind it. But we've reached listeners in over 43 states, uh, you know, and a dozen countries. Yeah. And it's an incredible new tool to have. I, th- I think it's just so uh, clever. Uh, and just shows the the creativity of uh, artists, uh, you know, the, the, the finding a way to uh, do your art when uh, you know when, you know maybe you can't get a theater space. I mean, there's a million reasons why you would do something like this. The pandemic forced us into you know something like this, where theater groups mm-hmm. were were doing Zoom productions all over the place. Uh, and and now, uh, w- when you can get together, it's your preferred way of doing it, and, and a really fresh and creative way of putting something like this yeah. together. Uh, Rick, why do you think there is such interest in this whole white city concept, in this whole H. H. Holmes murder story? Is it is it because uh, it hasn't because they they have not been able to tell the story uh, somehow in a movie? Well, he is fascinating, and um, and I think we all have kind of a morbid fascination with serial killers. And, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with stories about serial killers, as long as they're properly executed. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> but, uh, so to speak, yeah, which he was. <laughs> but uh, the thing I like, I wouldn't say I like, but the thing about Holmes is uh, when you think about usually the public perception of serial killers and the real life life of them, it's like killing means everything to them. It's, it's kind of ritualized and it's, you know, it's thought out. And killing didn't mean everything to Holmes. In fact, it seemed to mean nothing to him. It's, at, at, at base, he's, he's more of a con man and a fraud. I mean, he would commit murder just as a means to an end. And uh, he could convince people to trust him. You know, which is kind of chilling, too. But he, uh, besides killing 20-something people, he married four times. He committed insurance fraud. He he stole rented bicycles. He was just a kind of a <laughs> con man of opportunity. Even low-level stuff like that he would do. It was sort of fascinating. That, that, that is so fascinating. Do you think that uh, set in, in, in the setting of what was supposed to be this grand exposition, uh, the Columbian Exposition, that that adds to part of the mystique of this whole thing? Oh, very much. And uh, also, in Chicago history, this is boom time. You know, it's like a go-ahead time in a go-ahead city. And as a result, Chicago becomes a, a city of strangers. And that's perfect for, for what Holmes is doing. When he pretends to be another person and he has to fool people, and uh, a couple of characters in our play are people who have come to Chicago because it's the right time to come to Chicago. Right. So he has a lot of energy, and it's a magnet for people. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I'd also say that this is probably, you know, 10 to 15 years before the phrase, there's a sucker born every minute originates. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting observation uh, uh, with the uh, with the whole thing. 
Uh, let me take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about this and uh, how you uh, have adapted all of this, Corey, for this uh, uh, audio uh, v- venue that you're putting on. Uh, the production called The White City, an audible exhibition on H.H. Holmes' murderer that will be uh, presented March 14th, 15th, and 16th. I'll tell you how you'll be able to access it and hear it and so forth, uh, all coming up in just a minute. Get a little sense of White City that will be uh, performed uh, as online presentations. Corey Bradbury is the director, producer, Rick Kennebrew is the uh, playwright. And, uh, Corey, boy, I mean, there is nothing like theater of the mind, right? You just hear that music. You hear that music. You hear the way that it's being uh, presented. And I've got the whole thing in my mind, you know, the the way I'm imagining uh, everything to be. I guess that's kind of the beauty of the whole thing, right? Oh, yes. I always describe what we do as like an antidote to our super visual world. Um, and you're exactly right. Theater of the mind. And I like to think of it as unlocking the dramatic imagination of the audience. And so you'll hear, yeah, we, we have original music that was by Nick Montopoli. Um, we have original soundscapes. And then with the actors bringing additional texture to their voices, our, our hope is that we're giving you just enough that you can create the entire world inside your head and control it how you want as we're telling the story. Yeah, and I think in many ways that's so great because you can make it, you know, quote, look however you want in your mind. Uh, you can create, you know, whatever characters, however you want them to look and how they're dressed and what the backgrounds are uh, exactly as you choose uh, in, in your mm-hmm. own mind. So that's got to be uh, a very interesting challenge, I would think, for a director. Yeah, absolutely. But it's also one of the greatest strengths if we do it right. And Rick has done such a great job in the script of uh, of Hatch is the narrator that you heard in that clip, also is uh, narrating actions. He's getting inside the heads of the characters. So it allows us some do, to do some things that we couldn't necessarily do on stage as effectively. But yeah, I think the whole thing is really interactive. People think, oh, well, it's online or if I stream it a, a later, it doesn't feel very interactive like live theater does. But it is a very interactive experience because it's going uh, we always recommend get your best speakers get your best headphones and some people listen in groups some people listen individually and it can be whatever kind of experience that you want it to be over our uh, 80 to 90 minutes yeah the, the only thing that could make it even greater than that for me is uh sitting around a floor table radio and staring at the radio while it's all going on you know the way that they they used to do back in the golden days uh when they would listen to the shadow or you know, the, some yes. of the, the great old-time radio yeah. shows. Yeah, we had a listener who, when we did A Christmas Carol in the Dark, uh, uh, contacted us through social media and said they did exactly that with a whole Christmas dinner for themselves and their mom oh, while they wow. listened to the show. Wow. It was like, what a cool oh. experience. Yeah. Nice. I, I got to think. So uh, tell, me, uh, tell me a little about the cast and uh, how you actually put this together. Was this all, uh, you know, one one performance or... Do you record different pieces of it and put it together, uh, you know, piece by piece? Yeah, that's a great question. And so uh, I'm a theater artist primarily, and we bring as much of that idea of theater into what we do, even though it's digital. And so rather than like 
free edit uh, like a lot of audio plays are. I We rehearse, even though we're remotely. We have nine actors connecting across Chicago in real time. I'm 21st century technology. But we rehearse the show and we perform and present the show for our live online broadcast in real time. So if you decide to stream or download the the pre-recorded version, what you're getting is actually a take of our team presenting this beginning, middle, and end, which I think brings a completely different texture than some maybe pre-recorded audio plays that you might have heard over the last few years. Yeah. But I think it's one of the most exciting elements for us. Yeah, I, I would think so. So you have these nine actors in nine different places all doing yes. it in, in real time, right? Yes. So they also have to adapt to this very weird new style of presenting. But again, silver linings of the pandemic, uh, a lot of Chicago actors have started moving into voiceover and have the technologies now available that people can create their own home studios. Uh, and so we uh, it's definitely a challenge, but also one that's really fun once you get all that technical stuff out of the way and the actors are connecting uh, in real time. Yeah, it's really not uh, that complicated a process anymore. Uh, people would be really surprised to find out uh, that many of the things that they listen to, <clears throat> both uh, you know, radio productions like yours, but also just regular old radio broadcast and you know what, what seem like DJs introducing songs on radio stations often come from different places all over the country, and they they sound mm-hmm. like they are just as local as can be. So I mean, technically, it's, it's not that uh, tricky of a process anymore. Easy for me to say, though, right, yeah. Corey? <laughs> well, and yeah, we're definitely uh, coming at it from a theater background and not from a communications background. So a lot of the technology we've had to learn and improvise and adapt for our situation. But yeah, in the past, we've worked with actors from Vancouver, from uh, Atlanta, Texas, New York. And I think, it's an, like I said earlier, it's an exciting new tool that theater artists haven't had that just allows us to connect not just with artists, but with audiences. And I'm proud for this uh, cast in particular that it's all Chicago, even though we're spread out across the city. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that, that, that's fantastic. I was wondering about that if, uh, you know, Chicago actors were losing out because of, you know, the new technology that allows allows voices to come in from uh, any place. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you kept it uh, strictly Chicago. That's very cool. Oh, yes. And we definitely try to be like for listeners outside of the Chicago area. We think of ourselves as like an ambassador of Chicago theater for people that can't come here and come to see an in-person show. Yeah. Uh, and especially given the script and what it is. Yeah, we felt that a Chicago Center was a really important factor for this cast in particular. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the names of your uh, cast members. Uh, Annie uh, Bobien, Ethan Carlson, Robin Fertitta. Hope I'm pronouncing these right. Uh, Catherine Jordan, Aaron Lynn. Uh, Brian Perry, Dylan Walker, Taylor Wilkes. The name that stuck out uh, for me here was Keenan Odenkirk. And then I saw a picture of Keenan Odenkirk. And I'm wondering if he is related to the actor Bob Odenkirk. He looks just like him. You know, I have not uh, had that conversation with him, but uh, yeah, I don't know. But we definitely, uh, Keenan actually auditioned for our very first show in 2019, and uh, the schedules weren't, didn't work out for that show, but it was really fun reconnecting with him for this process. All right. Well, you have to ask him, you know, my, my juicy uh, entertainment reporter instincts are, uh, you know, going wild here because he, he has an amazing resemblance to uh, Bob Odenkirk. And Bob, of course, is originally from the Naperville area. 
Uh, so I wonder if he is somehow uh, related. Oh, easy. Yeah, well... Uh, well and I will say that Keenan is just as fine an actor as Bob Odenkirk. There you go. Sure. That's that's right. And I didn't I didn't want to you know just make him a relative of. I'm sure he's great uh, on on his own. Mm-hmm. So uh, Rick, as as the playwright for this, uh, how you know so many people? It's probably my number one question that I get from people asking: When will Devil in the White City be made into a movie? There's such interest in this. Uh, how similar is your story? to what people may already know from that novel. Yeah, that's that's been perking in production for so long. It's 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 kind of like it it's bedeviled itself. It's uh um but this story is somewhat different. Uh, for one thing, Devil in the White City, half of its text is devoted to the creation of the White City, you know, the fairground. And um, you know, in a way I pity the screenwriter who has to make that into a movie because that doesn't <laughs> have a lot to do with Holmes actually. Right. So so this is is really just about uh, Holmes and, you know, this fraudulent person who doesn't mind killing. But he seems like he has suddenly made a friend. He's made one friend. And um, that's his uh, hired man, Ben Pitzel, played by Keenan Odenkirk. <laughs> and uh, it's sort of a question. Can this kind of empty-souled man have one friend that he really cherishes and can he share his horrible enterprises with this one friend? Very can interesting. Can the trust go that far? Very, very, very intriguing. I cannot wait to hear this. Now, it will be performed online on March 14th, 15th, and 16th. Uh, Corey, explain how our listeners uh, will be able to access all of this. Yeah, and all the information and uh, connection to whether it's a uh, streaming download later on or for our live broadcasts, can, uh, they can find through our theater website or uh, theaterinthedark.com. But basically, yeah, for those three days, the 14th, 15th, and 16th, listeners can select uh, to pay what you can ticket to tune in and hear us present a live take of the audio play. So you can just go to our website, select the date, and then select your pay-what-you-can price. And if you donate $15 or more, you're automatically going to get access to the recorded version once that becomes available later, too. So part of that is just a a way to reach audiences as they've communicated with us with where they are. Some people love tuning in live, and other people love listening to it as they're taking a jog on the lakefront trail once it gets a little warmer. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, so many people are listening to podcasts now and, you know, listening to things of their own choosing. Uh, I got to think if you're a fan of this particular story, that this is uh, something that would be of great interest. What is the uh, duration of your production? Yeah, so this is a full length that got, has beginning, middle and end all the way through. So uh, and I think it'll run between 80 and 85 minutes. Okay. We're still in rehearsal, so we'll find our final time here. Okay. Still still doing a little trimming uh, here yeah. and there, or or maybe additions. We'll find out when we get to listen to it all. But it uh, again, it's uh, like a month from now, um, March 14th, 15th, and 16th. Uh, it is a pay-what-you-can kind of situation, but if you pay $15 or more, you will be given access to the recorded version uh, and you can uh, learn more, uh, sign up for it, etc. at atheaterinthedark.com slash white city. atheaterinthedark.com slash white city uh, to get uh, more information on this all. Guys, congratulations. Uh, it's, it just sounds like such a, an intriguing, ambitious <laughs> project. I cannot wait to hear it. 
Uh, Corey Bradbury is the director producer. Rick uh, Kennebrew is the playwright. Guys, thank you, and uh, hopefully we can talk uh, once it's up and running again. Cool. Great. Yeah. Thanks thank so much. Dude. Thanks, guys. Great to have you with us. So we were, uh, you know, talking in the last segment with the uh, producers and playwright of uh, this uh, White City. Uh, production that's uh, going to be taking place isn't that an interesting concept theater online yes where you can you know listen to it online it's yeah. a, a throwback to uh, the golden Old time days. radio Old yeah. time radio a throwback mm-hmm. to all that but uh, one of the young actors in the production's last name is odenkirk and i wondered if he was related to bob odenkirk right sure yeah. and we looked it up he is apparently the nephew Oh, okay. Of, uh, it's all in the family. Of uh, Mr. Uh, Bob Odenkirk. So, wow, yeah. great. So good to know nepotism still alive and well. <laughs> You're in, not like the old days. Oh, no, no. Not like the old days, but still. Certainly not. It's. I was uh, out and about, and I saw many of the mayoral uh, campaign signs uh, that were out, and uh, which I know will all be picked up right after the election, by mm-hmm. the way. I'm sure they will. Uh, I saw um, several of the candidates with uh, shamrocks on their campaign signs, even though St. Patrick's Day is... I was going to say, that's not till next month, two way weeks, after two the weeks election. After, two weeks after the election. Yeah. Uh, but I just thought it was, it's such a Chicago thing to do, though, right? I guess so, yeah. To put, you put your sure. shamrocks on the campaign signs, and you know, suddenly, uh, is that supposed to say, I'm a... <laughs> I'm the candidate for you if you're into shamrock, if you're Irish. <laughs> Not sure about that. It was a Chewy mm. Garcia uh, campaign sign also, mm-hmm. you know, which is uh, a very interesting to have shamrocks uh, all over it. But that's the Chicago way. I uh, have seen those in my neighborhood myself with along sh- Mayberry Lane. With the shamrocks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did Floyd the Barber have one on the window of well, his Well, Floyd, <laughs> Floyd is sitting out this election. Uh, he's actually going to be the precinct committeeman, <laughs> knocking on doors saying, hey, vote early and often. I'm going door to door and, and campaigning for my candidate. <laughs> Do you need a haircut? <laughs> Remember when Barney ran for sheriff and he wouldn't let him put the poster in the window? Oh, that was trauma. <laughs> <laughs> some big drama and again we'd like to welcome you to uh, back to <laughs> our new feature nerds on parade here on wgn stick around wgn's bozo circus you know that show has been off the air 20 years now all i need is my tuna salad sandwich and a bowl of tomato soup oh that's good eating right there that goes that's right what up. i had with bozo watching bozo right along with the grand prize game and the grand prize game yep. you know, by the way, uh, if you watch the WGN TV morning news during the month of March, if you were a fan of the grand prize game, we've got a special treat coming up for you. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Andy, you better hope that you do some fill-in work. Yeah, it'd be fun. <laughs> Get in front of those buckets. Adding to the fun, I mean. That's right. <laughs> you wouldn't think that it could possibly be more fun than it already no, is. No, no, no. Six buckets prove otherwise. <laughs> well, that's that's going to be during the month of March. That's coming up. You guys have been seeing these uh, wonderful uh, pieces that Michael O has been doing, uh, celebrating the 75th anniversary of WGN, the television station, 75 years uh, in April of this year. And we've got 
different commemorations each week. Guess which one I've been assigned to do? Hmm. Boy, I don't know. Does it start with a B and end in an O? It start with a B and end. <laughs> starts with a B and ends in an Ozo. 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 I'm going to be doing. You're a, doing a feature on the ozone layer. I'm doing a feature. <laughs> I'm going to be doing the 75th anniversary celebration of Bozo, and the children's programming on WGN TV. Nice. It seems like that that fits me. You right. are the person to do it. Doing a clown show. No, seriously. Seems, yeah. I do a clown show every Sunday here. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so we're gonna you know go back. Uh, or t- I'm I'm trying to figure out some new ways to do this because, you know, we did our television specials, uh, Bozo Guard Ray, and you know several incarnations of uh, different eras uh, that we've uh, featured uh, for specials. So I don't want to repeat the same thing. And here here's the one thing that I've thought of is that uh, when we run these specials, we hear from so many people who have Bozo stories to tell how they almost got on the show or how they were on the show and this or that happened or, you know, how they got tickets or how they tried forever to get tickets and couldn't. It's like we're just flooded with these stories. So really the one thing that we haven't shown that I would like to show during the 75th, the story that I'm going to do on the 75th anniversary concerning Bozo are some of your Bozo stories. I want to bring, the people into this nice three one two so what i want to do is hear some of your stories uh here today uh we're going to take down your names and numbers if you want to participate you don't have to but if you would like to participate uh we'll take your names and numbers down and then uh you know at the tv station we'll contact you and figure out some way to uh incorporate you into this whole thing that's, that's cool. a great idea Thank you. It really is. Thank you for complimenting. You know, I mean, people would have stories about how the kid next to them got picked right. for the grand prize game, and you know, just the tips of the magic arrows yeah. missing tips them. And the by tips one. only of yeah, the magic arrows. It's on a mom. It's on a mom. It's on a mom. It's on a dad. I think those cameramen used to do that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, there's a hot one in the second row. Let's put the camera on her. Had I been two inches taller as a six-year-old, I would have been playing the bozo buckets. Really? Yeah. The 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 arrows right above me yeah. came right above yeah. me. Oh, poor Andy. The, the course of history was forever altered. Did you start crying? I did not. I was six. Oh, I was tough. Okay. You could have had a Schwinn fast bath bike. Yeah, but you know the nice thing is I got a Schwinn bike for my birthday that year. Oh well, see. So there you go. Okay, Maybe it was better that I didn't have to go out there. Because who knows if I would have wanted Because you got the bike that you really wanted. Exactly. Yeah. Got the bike anyway. My Schwinn Stingray. <clears throat> you oh, nice. You wouldn't have got the new mode hose with the no, no buying top. top. <laughs> or a package of bun bars. No. <laughs> the prizes. Oh, my God. The prizes that they used to give away. But then they put a silver dollar every time in bucket every number time, six, right? Yeah. A silver dollar in bucket number six. And we'll put a silver dollar in every day until and someone wins, wins them, them all. all. Ooh, $35. That's a lot of money back in the days. Yeah, as a six-year-old, I would have taken thirty-five bucks. And in silver dollars, yeah. Oh, Shwani, trying, Shwani, trying to get the silver content. 
Shawnee melting him down in his basement with his chemistry set. I must have sent in like 50,000 postcards, too, for the Bozo drum. See? Those are the kind of stories that I want to hear. Uh, You know, did did you send in cards and you were never chosen? Or how about the people who were? You know, did did you send in a card and you were chosen? That'd be cool. And, uh, you know, what? And what did you win? what, What did you win? Those are these are some of the like kind of cool stories. I'd like to hear right now on our phone line at three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Let's start here. Did you ever get to go to the show? How did you get the tickets? Because you know the the waiting list was like ten years to get tickets uh, to even go to the show in the first place. Uh, so you know, tell me tell me some of these stories. Three one two. Nine eight one seven two hundred is our phone number, and uh, maybe we can use some of these on uh, television for the uh, story that I want to tell for the seventy fifth anniversary of the show. I was, I you know, I I went to the Bozo Show my first time at Channel Nine, uh, fourth grade. We went on a big field trip. This was a big deal to come from the South Side to you know get on the bus. You know, one of those brown school buses. We got on the bus. We came all the way to the North Side seemed like it took forever and uh, came to 2501 west bradley place we're all dressed up you know you and anytime you went any place then right Schwanny, you remember oh this. yeah you get dressed up right right had to put a suit and tie you're on. not going out of the house looking like that right right or if you were i was in cub scouts then so I oh think, you wore your cub scout uniform. so i think i wore yeah. my cub scout uniform yep i think uh, we had to do that when we went to the ball game right because it was cub scout day yeah so you get yeah. in for free exactly um and um you know they're they're playing the games and oh man what a thrill when bozo came out and you know in those days oliver oliver was still on the show ray rayner or as i i had forgotten in the in the opening of the show don sandberg's character sandy was was called sandy the sandy the tramp sandy the tramp and he didn't say anything. He just kind of mouthed the no, words. He was a mute. A mute. He was like Harpo character, but they called him a tramp. <laughs> he was. He was a hobo. That, he was a hobo. Yeah, that they called the tramp. <laughs> There's the, this is the tramp on the show. <laughs> I just and Bozo that. translated everything that he that he said. I think that's funny. Uh, you put that on a job application. <laughs> Name, Sandy. Occupation? Tramp. Tramp. <laughs> Qualifications? None. Not talking. <laughs> Special job skills? Not talking. <laughs> Being hit in the face with pies? Remaining silent. Yeah. So anyway, you know, you get to see all these guys. And, um, you know, the the big top band, Bob Trendler and the big top band was... That would have been great to hear live. Seemed like the coolest thing ever to hear that live. And then some of my classmates got chosen to play in the... Not not the grand prize game, but the you know the games that the they other played. game toward the end of the show, like the yeah. relay, relay races and yeah. you know, things like that, and you know the, during the the tips and the tips only of the magic arrows, the kid right next to me got chosen. Mm. Right See, yeah, yep. if, if I had shoved his chubby butt out of the way, <laughs> <laughs> move it, kid. I could have had the Schwinn fast back. Maybe you can find this person for your uh, program. The kid who and, spoiled my yeah, life. Yeah, and you can talk to him. And the kid who destroyed my life him. as a fourth grader. <laughs> so you went home crying then. 
I was a little disappointed. <laughs> I was a little disappointed that I probably would have froze. And, you know, only, who knows, got the bucket number three. It's not that easy, by the way. The, the you know once once the only person that I've ever seen uh, hit bucket number six flawlessly without even trying, Scotty Pippen when he was in the station once. Oh really? Yeah. He was there and we had the buckets out for some other reason and he wanted to try, and it's like well of course he's going to get bucket number six. <laughs> Scotty Pippen, yeah. He can reach over and I have to move. He literally yeah. just yeah. reached over yeah. and dropped the ball in in bucket number six. You know that was really suspenseful to watch that. Because there was a drum roll, remember? Sure. When they would dry for bucket number six, and then when they would actually hit it, the place went wild. Went crazy. Yeah. Yeah, or if they missed. Wah, 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 Right. I heard stories of how local taverns would have the you know Bozo show on the TV, and they would put money down. Of how far the kids would go in the grand prize game <laughs> became of a gambling oh, thing for for it all. All right. Anyway, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred for your bozo stories coming up next. Tell me your bozo stories at eleven twenty five. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is our number. Is this Cheryl? You're on WGN. Hello. No, I'm sorry. This is uh, Greg. Greg, are you there? Talking to Greg. Okay, he's talking to Greg. So I should go to uh, number four, and that is Cheryl, I believe. Do I have this right, Cheryl? Yes. There you are. Okay. Morning. 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 We we loved you and your show and all of WGN. Thank you. And our, our bozo story is our son is now 42 years old. When he was seven or eight years old, our sister-in-law got tickets for the whole family to go to Bozo. And while we were standing in the hallway before we entered the, uh, you know, the room where the show is, they were walking up and down asking kids if they wanted to be in one of the games. And they asked our son, who was seven or eight years old at the time, uh, do you want to play in one of the games? And he said, No. My husband shoves him out into the hallway and says, "Oh yes, he does." <laughs> and then he got he got on the sh- he got on the show and it was uh they were playing the relay races with groups of kids yeah. and he won a bunch of prizes oh, and he yeah. was excited. But we also have the um a DVD copy of that whole show. Oh, would want it. Oh, that's fantastic! Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. What year yeah, would that have been? Nineteen eighty. It's either 87 or 88. I was going to say, yeah, it must be the 80s. Obviously, if it was a, mm-hmm. a, a video recording of it, you know, obviously it didn't exist mm-hmm. too early in the Bozo show. And sadly, yeah. sadly, they didn't keep uh, very many of the shows, you know, for posterity. Uh, but right. uh, great that you have uh, something like that. Now, how did I you... I you talk about it all the time that, you know, a bunch of episodes you don't have. And I keep telling my husband, you know, we should send Dean a copy of it and never get around to it. When I heard it, this time, like... We're just doing it. We got we have VHS of it and DVD of it. Okay, well let's we'll, let's we'll, we'll try to make the connection, you know, because I I would love to hear some of these stories. How did you even get sure. tickets for the show in the first place? My sister in law, when she first knew she was pregnant, applied for tickets, mm. and then she said, depending on how many tickets she got, you know, who of all the family she'd have come with, right? So 
that's how that's how we got them. That's what some was much younger at you know at the time. Yeah, and our, you know, like I said, ours was seven or eight. So well, the yeah, it was exciting. That's what uh, you know. That's what people said that the moment you found out you were pregnant, you rode away for tickets. So mm-hmm. so the tickets would come mm-hmm. by the time the kids were seven to ten years old. Cheryl, thank you very much for the right. call and the memories. I appreciate it. Debbie, you're on WGN. Hello. Hi. Good morning, Dean. How are you? Fine. I just called in because I listen to your show all the time, and I thought I got to call and let you know. I went to the show, the Bozo show, with my school. I was 11 years old in 1965, and I got picked to play one of the games on the, not the Bozo bucket game, but it was a game where you had to blow the straw paper off the straw <laughs> into a bucket. Okay. wasn't easy. I know how to do it now, but it wasn't easy then. <laughs> and I did win a state capital game. Oh, no kidding. So I, I very quickly learned all the state capitals playing that game. See, that's uh, that's how we learned yeah. back then with the games and yeah. music yeah. and all that. How funny though that like you know one of the yeah. games something as simple as blowing the paper off, know. off of a straw. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I know how to do. It. I've got it mastered now. If I ever got back on. <laughs> I wonder so. if you. I wonder if you took a kid's iPhone away and told them this is going to be your activity. Blow the paper off the straw into a, right. a cup. Yeah. How a kid today would deal yeah. with that. And I remember being in line to go into the show, and they picked me in the line. I was not yet in sitting down. I never got in when they came. Somebody, I think it was a girl, came up and picked me. Yeah, that's what they. The that's what yeah. they used to do. They would pick the kids yeah. out of the out of the hallway. Yeah. Good stuff. Right, Thank you, right. Debbie. Have a great yeah. day today. Thank you, Ron. You're on WGN. Morning, Dean. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. This took place in 1980, when back then they ran a very unique contest where if you called the day after Labor Day, you could get 40 tickets to Bozo Circus. What? So I was working at a park district, and I had my secretary dial starting at 9 a.m. He got through at 2.30 in the afternoon, and we won 40 tickets to distribute to the kids in our in our area. Wow. So the only bad news, well, there was bad news a couple times. It was for Thanksgiving morning was for the show. Ah. And we had to figure out a way to get rid of the 40 tickets. So we ran a contest in the schools, and we had them call into our office about a week before Thanksgiving, and we distributed the 40 tickets. The other bad news was we got lost going to the WGN studios on our school bus. (laughs) We barely made it to the WGN studios five minutes before the show. They ran us down your hallway, and we made it to the show, and the 40 kids had a good time. How about that? Why do you think this was so popular? What do you think... What do you think the appeal was that, you know, this was such a sought-after ticket and, you know, you had to go see Bozo? It was a high-demand show, and everybody just enjoyed being on uh, on the show there. Everybody had a good time. Yeah. Parents as well. Pure, 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 simple, silly fun, I think, was part That's of the correct. key to that whole thing. Ron, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. We're going to head into the WGN Northwestern Medicine Newsroom, get a little update of what's going on this morning. On the other side of that, Kelsey Grammer talks with me about his new movie, but also about the Frasier reboot that is coming to Paramount+. Plus. The great Lou Rawls, the iconic Chicago's very own song that uh, he recorded, and uh, WGN-TV, of course, uh, celebrating its 75th anniversary this year, being Chicago's very own. And, uh, you know, we're bringing these fantastic stories to you every week uh mike lowe 
in our WGN News uh, Department uh, turning out these great stories. I'm going to be doing one on WGN's children's programming on uh, Bozo Circus and just, you know, wanting to hear some of your Bozo stories. I would love to include some of these in the story that I'm going to be doing on television. So hopefully, you know, we'll be able to figure out a way for you to share some of that. So let me uh, go to uh, the phone lines and get some, a couple of more of these stories. Carol, are you there? Hi, you're on WGN. Yeah, yeah I'm here. So you went to Bozo? Yes, I went to Bozo. Okay. Oh, is this Dean? Oh, hi. Yeah, this is yeah, Dean. Tell me all Bozo. about it. This is a long, a long time ago. Um, so my sister was born in 1966, my littlest sister. So she was old enough to walk. I'd have to check photographs to check the date. So around... 1969, 1970, and our neighbors had tickets, and she must have had eight. So she had three children. My mom had four children, was from the south side of Chicago. And um, it was like a really big deal because I mean, we didn't go a lot of places, sure. but we got to just magically go to Bozo. And we went into Bo- to the Bozo show. My mom, there wasn't a ticket. So she was like, well, I'll sit outside in the lobby and wait. Knowing my mom, she was probably the driver. And um, so all of a sudden, we see her coming in. So wait, you kids, like, you, kids you-, you kids, went into the studio by yourselves? No, with our neighbor. Oh, with your neighbor, okay. So with our neighbor with and her neighbor. three children. Got it. So there were eight of us with one adult. And, um, you know, it wasn't until later, maybe when I was older, that I realized what, when she was telling the story. So she was sitting outside in the lobby waiting for us, and a gentleman walked by, and he's like, why are you sitting out here? And she explained, you know, there wasn't a ticket, so she was just, you know, waiting for us all to come out. And he's like, oh, no, 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 I can get you in. <laughs> and it was Wally Phillips. What? Yes. And how I, and I really know that my my parents were lifelong WGN radio listeners. Yeah. And they always had the radio in the kitchen that um, played WGN, particularly morning radio. And Wally Phillips, you know, was king in the house, and you just know it. And then when my mom moved, um, she still had the radio and listened to WGN every morning. And now I've taken on the house. Um, she passed four years ago yeah. on Valentine's Day. Okay. And um, I started listening to WGN right. radio. Just, you know, connects me. Yeah, but I remember that. Eventually we, eventually we get you. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. It, but it was I Wally mean, Phillips. Wally Phillips must have been probably leaving the building and saw your mom sitting there. And, and, right, and helped right. her out and brought her into the studio. Yeah, and so my mom was so excited because you know she loved wow. Wally Phillips. Why? Why, and, do you th- um, why do you think we all have such fond memories of Bozo and liked Bozo so much? Well, you know, it was a time where um, there were, weren't. You know, there were just there were things you could set a clock to that were just regular. Like you knew that. Bozo Circus was going to be on every day. You knew the Ray Rayner show was going to be on every day. And as kids, you know, we were either outside playing or getting under mom's feet. Um, We didn't have a lot of, you know, electronic distractions. Yeah, there were none back then. (laughs) 
Right, exactly. And so I think, and it was just such a shared community of, you know, we're all we're all watching this. We're together. all watching the same and thing we're because all doing back, this. yeah, back then there was channels two, five, seven, nine, and eleven, and pretty much that's it. Right. So everybody, and they were family. everybody watched the same thing. Yeah. Right. So there was one television, and. You know, I always joke with my nieces and nephews. I'm like, yeah, the remote controls back then were Bill, Carol, Karen, and Mary. Because, right. you know, my dad never <laughs> right. got out of his chair. That's right. Get up and change the channel. So, exactly. Right. That's some, right. That's some wild memories. Show. How about that? Wally Phillips uh, helping you out with that. I want to yeah. get, get a couple of more calls in here, Carol, but thank you. Yeah. Christine, you're on WGN. Hello. Hello. How you doing, Dean? I'm doing fine. How are you? <laughs> Oh, I'm doing great. I have a really good story for you. So, um, first, I danced with Bob Bell with um, Bozo, and this was in 1970. Tell me more. I was petrified. You know, you're a kid. You couldn't wait to go on the show. You couldn't wait. You practice and play the grand prize game. (laughs) And then the hero gets me, and I'm, like, crying my eyes out. (laughs) Did not want to dance with him. So, wait, so you you did get picked to play the grand prize game? I didn't. I wanted oh, you to didn't. so bad. Right. Yeah, like all the rest but of us, right. To, yeah. Yeah, but instead I got to dance with Bob Bell, Bozo. So how did, was, how uh, did that come to be? Um, I don't know. They just started, like, in the audience, they said, we're going to have a dance-off. I think it might have been in between, like, commercials. Oh, okay. All right. You know what I mean? But I, they aired it. Oh, he was stepping on my feet. He was the nicest man. <laughs> what the year? nicest man. And... My aunt had the um, Chelsea the Duck. <laughs> I yeah. you really like this story. Chelsea Ch- Ch- the yeah. from um, Ray Rayner. Yeah. So it was uh, awesome. That that was, so. What year would that have been that you danced with Bozo? Nineteen seventy for sure, because I was five. Okay, so that would have been Bob Bell, the original WGN Bozo. It that, was. That's yep, a, that's a good story, well, Christine. We went to the Bozo show probably like three times. It oh, took wow. forever to get the tickets. Three times, and some people could not get <laughs> tickets to save them their lives. That's some good memories for you, Christine. Thank you so much, Shirley. You're on WGN. Hello. Oh, I'm so glad to be on. I've enjoyed Bozo back in 1952, 1962, yeah. when my son was picked to be on Bozo. Okay. We, we, my cousin came in from. Um, from Florida, and her brother was in the sales of Channel 9. Okay. <laughs> so we got tickets to go, and uh, we're sitting up in the audience, and the arrow was going around to pick uh, the child, the boy. Right. And so when the arrow was flying around us, I was trying to get the, the arrow to point on us. <laughs> well, it I had it finally that arrow stopped, and I stopped, and the arrow was on us. Oh. Well, my son got to to play the game. He won three prizes, and my father, who was a dentist at the time, he went to the the apartment to go watch the television program. My dad, <clears throat> my husband, who was running a business, went to the local tavern to watch the program. <laughs> my mother, who was in the hospital, watched the program with a bunch of nurses, and I watched it. At home. No, I watched it at the studio. I was there at the studio with there. my son. Yeah, yeah. All dressed up. I figured that's the reason we got picked, because I was all dressed up with a fancy suit. My oh, son wow. had a red blazer on. But he got the three 
three uh, three prizes. Prizes, and he just felt like he deserved it. Those were his prizes. Yeah, well, of course. we marched out of that studio. We were just as proud as a peacock. It must have been on cloud so, nine. I can, I can only imagine. Why do you Why do you think that Bozo was so legendary here in Chicago? Well, for one thing, it was a good babysitter, <laughs> as well as they always wanted to make that that uh, arrow that hit them. They wanted to be on the program and bring home prizes. And when we marched out with Bozo in line, in front front of the line with his long baton, we were right behind them with the prizes and just as glowing as happy as could be because that's what we went for. And I tried to get a recording of it. But they said they did a lot of recording over, over. recordings. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it wasn't to be had. Yeah, unfortunately, I, so much of that was lost, unfortunately. Some great yes, stories, Shirley. I'm glad well, I'm glad you have the good memories. I appreciate your call. Thank you. Oh, and they are a long time. Yes, well I'm I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. And it's coming soon. Uh it'll be sometime in March we'll have my story on uh, the Bozo Show and WGN's children's programming and all that. Uh, so and and hopefully many of you will be included uh, in that. If you would like to send me your story, feel free to you know you can email me at uh, uh, d richards d richards at wgntv.com. Feel free, and uh, we'll try to work some of these stories into the actual uh, news story that we're going to do that'll be coming up in March for the big 75th anniversary. Kelsey Grammer played Frazier on the show Cheers and then on the show Frazier, and Frazier is being rebooted. It's coming back to Paramount+. Plus. I talked with Kelsey Grammer this week. He gave me the update on all of that, and that's coming up. 11.50, Dean Richards, Sunday morning, WGN. Theme song from the incredibly popular and Emmy Award-winning TV series Frasier that starred uh, Kelsey Grammer and uh, God bless him, the late great John Mahoney who uh, lived in Oak Park, of course, and played uh, Frasier's dad on the show for so many years. Before the TV show Frasier, Kelsey Grammer originated this character of Frasier Crane on the TV show uh, Cheers. It was a spinoff. And the show has been off the air probably 10 years, at least, something like that. Kelsey Grammer has gone on to do many other both television and motion picture projects. But uh, Frasier is coming back. It is being rebooted, uh, not with the original cast, although we did get a little bit of news about that from Kelsey Grammer himself uh, when we talked with him. Uh, you'll hear some of the details about this Frasier reboot and also learn a little bit more about his new movie, which is called Jesus Revolution, uh, in which he plays a, uh, a, a minister who kind of rides the wave of the uh, super popularity of uh, all things uh, religion, all things Christianity, all things Jesus. Uh, specifically in the 1970s when Jesus Christ Superstar, the musical, was popular and Godspell, and there was just a resurgence uh, of all of that uh, that was going on. It's an interesting movie. It's only in a handful of theaters. It's a small release, but it is out right now. Uh, This weekend, everybody's talking about the Ant-Man movie uh, that's going to clearly be the number one movie for the weekend, but this is also one of the 
new movies of the week called Jesus Revolution. Uh, I talked with uh, Kelsey Grammer on a Zoom chat the other day uh, in which it was uh, just two days before his birthday. I mean, honestly, when I was a little boy, my mom once said to me, oh, dear, you had a birthday last week. Oh, no. It's like she says, "Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh my, how you got so busy? You know, it happens. So, so we weren't uh, we weren't religiously devoted to celebrating birthdays. It's just they came and went. And you got you got a card usually or something like that. Now, my wife, she's a big birthday gal, so we make sure we take care of hers. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Speaking of uh, the birthdays, you and I are about the same age, and I remember so well uh, that period of the 1970s with this. You know, so-called spiritual revolution about which your movie is about the uh, Jesus uh, revolution. You know, me with my eight-track playing uh, Jesus Christ Superstar and Godspell. And uh, that's basically what this movie is about. Not those musicals, but about that era, right? That that period in our lives, yeah. um, A great great time of uh, sort of unity and... and, uh, and faith and celebration of life, and uh, I, I was an uh, optimism. I I sort of miss it when I think about it. When I was shooting the film, I, I saw all these wonderful young people sort of mimicking the way we used to dress and stuff like that, and I thought it was definitely a nice time. It was a lovely time, and there was an innocence and a, a jubilation about it and a sort of celebration of being young and, and with, with no restraints about what we could possibly achieve. And then, you know, look where we ended up. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm still an optimist. So uh, a very, uh, very interesting time. Did you base your character on a specific person or, you know, just uh, built it around uh, some of the people uh, in that era? I, I, I remember I saw in the trailer where you tell somebody to either like get a haircut or take a bath or something. I must have heard that a hundred times from my dad. Yeah, you know, there was a popular phrase back then, but actually, I was bathing. I just had long hair, so <laughs> it's okay. I was pretty clean. Uh, most of the people I knew were fairly clean. Some weren't. Listen, we've always had those sort of, like, you know, those people on the fringe of our society, whether or not it's a movement or not a specific movement, that uh, don't quite work their way into our society, don't quite make it. And so they, they remain on the fringes, and sometimes uh, it leads to, you know, a kind of, uh, an unfortunate um, sort of what's what's sort of just a like they're bad children or they're not bad children but just children who've been left. You know the, the parable of the seeds that uh, Jesus Christ has that he talks about how some they some land in the sun they they burn up some have too much water they don't grow right. Um, we have the unmentionable world that is that loses people and that exists in our life today and uh, I just think it's. It's a shame, but uh, there we are, and that's how life works sometimes. Yeah. How about your character? Was it based on a person, or? Oh, it's 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 a true it's a true story based on Chuck Smith, who really existed. Uh, he was a, a pastor who was losing his way a little bit. He had a, a an empty church every weekend, and started to question whether or not he was even going to have a job anymore. And then this this young man comes into his life. I've introduced him by his daughter, and. He opens his arms and says, yes. He says, yes, we'll try this. And uh, it changed it changed the world in a lot of ways. It's a remarkable thing. So, yeah, it's based on Chuck, and and I'm, I'm proud to play him. I didn't actually try to design any uh, deliberate mimicking of him or any deliberate reflection of him, but I think through the, the act of just sort of lending in my clothes, you know, 
uh, he probably comes through a bit. I'm, I'm quite proud to have played him. Yeah, I uh, can't wait for everybody to see it. Uh, everybody is so excited about the Frasier reboot. Uh, how, how does it feel so far? I mean, with, uh, you know, our, our beloved uh, John Mahoney here in Chicago, no longer with us, sadly. But, I mean, you're you're starting with a pretty fresh cast outside of yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, it is a fresh cast. Uh, we, we may get some visits from the from some of those legacy cast. Uh, I can just sort of tease that there are some people already kind of booked to come by and say hello. But uh, with John's passing... It, of course, became impossible to do the same thing we had done anyway. Um, so we honor John in many ways in the show that people, I think, will be delighted to see. Um, that will be an ongoing um, memorial to him and and in what we do as we unfold the, the next uh, pages of Frazier's life story. Um, I think it's funny. Uh, he goes back to Boston. He rediscovers some things there and... and, uh, and uh, put some things to rest there for himself that uh, he, you know, sort of left Boston, not completely fulfilled, not completely um, done with it. And so he goes back to finish up some stuff, which is great. Yeah. Will there be a, a revisit to cheers as uh, part of it? Oh, I'm not sure if we're going to get the actual location, but uh, certainly uh, in, um, in sentiment, there is a, there is a, a visit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's such a great character and I'm so happy that you're doing this. Can't wait to see that. A pleasure to talk to you. Happy birthday again to you, and uh, all the best. Okay, Dean, thank you. Coming up, we are going to get into our food time show for today. Ash Wednesday is coming up this week, which means the Lenten season uh, be- will begin. And uh, that also means, Shwani, yes, Fat Tuesday. Fat Tuesday. Hello. Fat Tuesday, Punchki Day. Mm-hmm. Already saw him in the stores. It's too early. You can't. You, you got to get them. You got to get them on Tuesday. I know. Freshly made on Tuesday. They were talking about these on uh, Bob Surratt's show this week. Of course they were. Punchkeys. Trying to get free punchkeys <laughs> for Bob. <laughs> but, my favorite, uh, no, I'm looking forward to it. I love punchkeys. One of my favorite punchki places is now closed. Break, Which one was that? Breaks my heart every time I drive by where Dinkles used to be. Oh, sure. Yeah. They yeah. closed. They closed forever. A family business for almost 100 years. I know. And, uh, you know, they had a booth at the Chris Kindle Market uh, here in Daly Plaza for the past. Well, they were there right before COVID. And then when they opened Mm. up, they came back. And then, of course, this year they were no longer in business. So I missed them because they used to have some great uh, stolen bread in there and things like that. Good pastries. There's a good German bakery. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had all kinds of things, but they specialized in some great German delights. Yeah, oh, sure. And because uh, yeah. it, it was close to my house, it was like one of the last. I am trying to think now. I don't think there is just an old fashioned bakery near my house anymore. Yeah. We had one where I grew up. Boy, it was good. Schweitzer's Bakery. That's good stuff. On uh, Kennedy Avenue in Highland. Mm. Best sweet rolls, coffee cakes, Remember? sugar cookies for a dime. Huge sugar cookies you could get for 10 cents in there. Like my mom would send me Lovely. to. I don't remember the name of the bakery that was near our house on 79th Street on the southeast side. where I, One of the places where I grew up on the south side. But uh, there was this old-fashioned bakery. And my mom would send me there, like I think, like with a buck, with a dollar, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I come home with a big box, all of kinds of stuff for a dollar, pastries. Yeah, oh yeah, I might have, you know, ate one myself. 
<laughs> on the way home. On the way home. It's my delivery charge. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to a fresh raspberry punchki. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite strawberry. Mm-hmm. I like the fresh fruit more than the creamy. Just the creamy ones yeah, or just sure. plain sugar ones? Yeah, yeah you've got to have that fruit filling in no, there, I like the fruit. I like the fruit filling. Yes, I do too. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, you've got me all wound up. We're going to talk about that on the food show today. We're going to talk about uh, some Lenten uh, recipes, some seafood recipes, non-meat recipes, and uh, New Orleans recipes for Fat Tuesday. You've got to imagine how crazy it's going in uh, New Orleans right now with uh, Fat Tuesday coming up. We'll get to all of that and more in just a minute. I love this song. Called Falling Slowly. It is uh, from the first motion picture, uh, Once, uh, and now a Tony Award-winning musical that is called Once. The song is called Falling Slowly. Uh, It's one of the many songs that you will hear in the production, which is uh, playing now through March 26th at the Writers' Theater in Glencoe. Matter of fact, to give away... For uh, the uh, Writers Theater production of Once Right Now, a musical like you've never seen before, performed by an accomplished cast of actors playing their own instruments on stage. That's one of the really cool things, by the way, of uh, this show. The music that you see performed is performed right on stage, it's not an orchestra that's down on a pit or anything. And we've got a pair of tickets to give away uh, for caller number. Oh, let's make it caller seven. What do you say? Caller seven, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. You will win uh, that pair of tickets. Caller seven, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred for the tickets to see the musical once at the Writers Theater in Glencoe. It's playing now through March twenty sixth. All right, so we have got uh, Fat Tuesday uh, coming up. And uh, here in Chicago, that means Punchki Day. Uh, you know, a lot of people have, uh, you know, their must-go-to places for their uh, Punchkis. I notice, you know, Jewel is selling them now in Mariano's, and, you know, they're kind of mass-produced. And I'm, I'm sure they're okay. You know, I, I wouldn't turn one down, I guess. But, uh, boy, there's nothing like going to a, a good old-fashioned bakery uh, I know Roser's Bakery uh, in Chicago. It's been there for such a long time, served the community for such a long time. They do fantastic uh, punchkis. I love them there. It's one of my favorite places. Dinkle's always was uh, one of my favorites uh, because it was so close to my house. Uh, but Dinkle's now is uh, no more. They, they uh, you know, they didn't survive the pandemic. I think they probably could have. But uh, you know, they just decided, you know, let's 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 go out gracefully, and they uh, shut their doors a few a couple of years ago, I think it was. Uh, so Dinkles is no longer there. What are your favorite places to go? I know there are legendary places around the Chicago area to uh, go get your punchkis, and what would those places be for you? Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is. Our phone number, both uh, for calls, but uh, also for our text line, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred, and those are already uh, coming in. 
Uh, somebody from the 219 area code is saying uh, Schwitzer's is their go-to place for punchkis. I, am I presuming? I've, I've never heard of it. I'm sorry if it's legendary. Uh, I presume in northwest Indiana, since you're uh, calling us from the 219 area code, that it must be uh, from out in that area. Uh, the 773 area code said uh, that uh, we always used to go to Ackerman's Bakery on Irving Park for our punchkis, but it says here, sadly, they closed years ago. Yeah, so many of these family bakeries are, uh, you know, just not surviving, which is uh, sad. Zapoli is an Italian pastry, which is served on St. Joseph's Day. I know that is also a very popular one. Uh, Here is the 773 area code saying Oak Park Bakery. On Oak Park Avenue, great punchkis and everything else every year. Thompson's Bakery on uh, Tui Avenue uh, in Park Ridge. Uh, it was the best family bakery. So I don't know if that means that they are no longer open. If they're saying was the best family bakery is no longer there. I know Milwaukee Avenue had uh, tons of fantastic bakeries. Gla- I want to say Gladstone's. Isn't Gladstone's on Milwaukee Avenue? I think so. And uh, they're they're very, very famous, or were. I presume they're still there. I guess, you know, that's the thing about post-pandemic. Like, you know, places that you always could rely on uh, as being there, not always there anymore. You go to some place that you've been going to for years, and, you know, you find a sign in the window, thank you for 60 years of your loyal patronage. You know, they, they've uh, shut their door, so I hope that's not the case uh, with that. Uh, tons of suggestions here. Did you have some, Mushwani? I just want to mention, did anyone talk about the Lutz pastry shop on uh, Montrose? Oh, Lutz's. Lutz's, and then also a pastry shop and a little cafe in uh, Lincoln Square. Cafe Sel Marie is good. That's a good place. Yeah. Those are good places. I've never had punchkis from either of those places. Uh, I know Lutz's I've been many times, and Sal Marie I've been once or twice. It's kind of a restaurant, though, isn't it? Sal- yes, Sal yes, but they're right in the front there is it, a bakery is a, and pastry is shop. It's a little there. bakery, and I'm sure for Punchki Day they probably probably do. But they have like really f- like fine, refined, yeah, uh, right. you know, delicate uh, kind of pastries. I think of like me like maybe Austrian. Uh, delicacy well sure things sure. like that, that german-based community there uh, yeah have them mm-hmm. i don't usually go to places that are refined <laughs> no not you they don't let me in they, they have a i don't know why i should take it personally they have a picture of me on their window with a red line <laughs> that's a little insulting i think we 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 were in an establishment once and they said good evening gentlemen and we looked around and said who, who came walked in, in? <laughs> We're a stupid idiot. <laughs> no, seriously though, Lutz, uh, Cafe Sal Marie, those are, those are classic and, joints. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Calumet Bakery on Torrance oh, Avenue yes, in Lansing. Yes, magnificent nut roll at Christmas time. What'd you call me? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I called. Excuse you. me. I don't think we can say that on the air. <laughs> Calumet Bakery, absolutely. <laughs> yes, Tags Bakery in Evanston. Never been. How about Baker's Dozen in South Bend? Do you know that one? No, I don't know that one. No. Baker's Dozen. I thought you knew every place in Indiana. (laughs) No, no, not Uh, not everything. Oh, here's a legendary one. Weber's on Archer Avenue. That is a legendary bakery on the south side. 
Uh, yeah, Weber's. That's a good choice. Uh, Dietta's Bakery in Naperville. How about uh, Cakes by Karen in Highland, Indiana? That's where Schweitzer's Bakery was. Oh. The exact same building, location. It's, so this, this is the new joint that's taken it's over. It's the new place that's been there since uh, Schweitzer's closed. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah, uh, Allegretti's Bakery. I got a couple. I got several here on our text line for Allegretti's in Norwich. Nor Norwich. It's in Norwich over by there by the hip. <laughs> Harlem Irving Plaza. Be nice now. Harlem Irving Plaza. <laughs> uh, Tony's in downtown Hinsdale. The best punchkis. Delightful. And by the way, I'm seeing like 20 different spellings of the word punchki. By the way, on our on our text line here. You would, yes. I'm not sure if I could spell it. If I was, I mean, I'm looking at a spelling of it. Now, here's another. This is an Italian bakery in Palaria in Bridgeport. They may or may not have punchkis, but that is a fine bakery in there. I love the old-fashioned family bakeries. Mm -hmm. Amazing breads and cakes and displays. Two sisters run it. They make fresh-baked bread every day. You you got me right there. Never mind the punchkis. The bread? Yeah. Fresh baked bread every day, I'm in. Mm-hmm. You had me at the fresh baked bread. Uh, baked bread, punchkis, pastries, breakfast rolls. Uh, Vasekis uh, and Berwin. We may be even getting more responses now than we did when we were, when talking, we were about talking about pizza. Pizza, yeah. <laughs> Bakeries now. It never fails. Food. Yeah. Everybody comes out. We have our finger on, on this show. Hey, you know what? All the other shows can talk about. Uh, the economy, recession, the mayoral election. On this show, we've got our finger on the pulse of what Chicago really cares about. Uh, Eating. Sweet, sweet rolls and pizza. <laughs> and in the summer, it'll be ice cream. That's in the next May. Are they having any more, more mayoral debates? Or the, I think we're done. There may be there may be some neighborhood rallies. Forums. The forum, yeah, the forums. I would but. like to see the candidates get together and debate who has the best pizza. <laughs> where you get the best punchkis then you'd really have an argument how about the best italian beef sandwich <laughs> oh wow the controversial oh, subject wow. of where you get the best italian beef sandwich these are that's the those are the issues that i would like to see the candidates uh, uh debating 312-981-7200 is the phone number uh, on our text line love to hear from some of you on the phone as well we'll get to all that coming up next Seafood recipes for the Lenten season coming up after 1230 and we dig into our food time show for this week. It is a beautiful day. Some nice sunshine outside, not too chilly. Enjoy it while you can because uh, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop with winter. It's been way too easy of a winter season in Chicago. I hope we don't get socked again, but you know that we're going to... Come on, we're going to get something. It's it's definitely going to happen. Uh, talking uh, some food, talking uh, some New Orleans food uh, coming up in a little while for uh, the Mardi Gras that's going on. And also Punchki Day, uh, this coming Tuesday, is the day that uh, you celebrate before the Lenten season begins. You know, you go wild with these d- delicious Bismarck. Uh, for me, nice a nice fruit-filled, fresh fruit-filled Punchki, nothing better. Uh, I love that. I'm not so crazy about like the processed or frozen uh, fruity ones. You know, those are okay. I wouldn't turn it down, I guess. But you get you get one with a with nice nice fresh 
strawberries, nice fresh raspberries, blueberries. Uh, the, the, that's really uh, my favorite more than the uh, you know cream filled ones. I know everybody has their favorite, so you know enjoy uh, the, the couple of Punchki updates uh, here on the phone. Somebody texted in and said that uh, Gladstone Bakery that I was talking about is no longer there. Uh, Gladstone Bakery is closed. I did not know that. Uh, that was on, I, I mentioned was on Milwaukee Avenue that they closed. Uh, they moved to a new location, which apparently had also closed. And in the location of the former Gladstone Bakery now is a little Italian pastry shop. So I'm sure there's some pretty good uh, stuff to be had there. And uh, also somebody, uh, yeah, New Paradise. Uh, here's another one. New Paradise is the Italian bakery where Gladstone used to be on Milwaukee Avenue. Uh, they have uh, fresh gelato and savory items, too. All right. You had me a gelato. <laughs> That's one of my, one of my weaknesses. I, I love a nice uh, uh, pistachio, especially uh, gelato. That's my favorite one. Uh, lots of people on our text line uh, today are saying, uh, order. put your orders in now. For your punchkis on Tuesday. Uh, otherwise, expect to stand in line for a couple of hours. Uh, that that it happens every year. Stores will you know will be packed. There's a line going down the block, and you wait for a couple of hours to get your punchkis. Uh, so if you put your orders in ahead of time, presumably prepay for them, you just walk in. You know, tell them your name, and then you walk out. I hope. So if you're you know into into this into the Poon Punchki uh, culture, then, uh, you know, you you will uh, know how to best handle it. Dennis, how about for you? Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite place? Do I have the wrong line here? No, I don't. Oh, wait, here I do. Here it's, here's Dennis. Hi, Dennis. You're on WGN. Yeah, Orland Park Bakery has been there for about 40 or 50 years. The same thing. You wait two hours in a line. It's the, it's the best bakery in the Chicago area. Yep. They have excellent. Now, the other thing is, it's Punchek for one Punchek. It's Punchki for two or more. And it's that PA with a little thing under the A. With the little thing. C-E-E-K yeah. for Punchek. Yeah. Well, and no, then it's Punchki, but not, not Punchkis. Yeah, nobody can have just one, though, right? No, you eat, you buy a dozen and you you sneak one at night, too, when you get up and go to the bathroom. <laughs> No, see, you've got the you've got the whole routine down. But wait, walk yeah. Me. Well, my, my my wife, who's passed away uh, since, says they used to work for Orland Park Bakery. Oh, okay. Uh, and we had all the goodies, but you had to pay for them anyway. Sure, was, sure. But it's a great bakery right now. It's um, the uh, UIC Medical Center is on 143rd Lagrange Road. Yeah. Took out all the buildings, and Orland Park Bakery is about 145th. Lagrange Road in Orland Park. It's right, on, Orland Park. Right, right on Lagrange Road, though. Yeah, yeah, just off. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now walk so, me. Oh, yeah, the, walk the me through the bakeries. walk me through the singular and plural again. One. Okay. One. Punch- one is P A C Z E K. Okay. Pronounce Punchek. it. Punchek. And, and there's a little there's a little half half a square under the A to make yeah. it an own instead of an A. Ah. So Punchek. And then when you talk about two. Punchki, it would be P A with the thing in the bottom, C Z K I. So, so Punchek for one, pun- Punchki for two or more. Punchek or Punchki for plural. Yeah, Punchek for one, Punchki for two or more. 
All right. All right. Now, so see, I learned a little something here today. Yeah. I appreciate so, it. Well, yeah, I, that, 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 go ahead. I, I was going to say, yeah. I hope you have a wonderful Punchki, Punchki day. Punchki. Yeah, it's no S in Punchkis. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> now I got the... Now I got the Polish grammar police on my butt on top. Hey, I, I had Polish grammar in grade school. I was uh, I took I had to take Dick Tandolf, where the nun would read to me and the others in Polish, oh. and we would have to write the words exactly the way they were spelled in yeah. Polish. Yeah, did these nuns ever have rulers in their hands? Oh, they used them on my butt quite a bit. <laughs> That's why you still remember this, Dennis. Oh, I still have the scar. There you yeah. go. All right. Have a great weekend, my friend. I appreciate yeah. your call. Thank you. Yeah. Great show. I appreciate Bye. it. Thank you very much. Here is uh, Mary Ann on the phone. You've got a, a bakery for me and hopefully can correct my pronunciations also. Oh, um, I, I think he did a really great job with the pronunciation. Actually, I have a Polish coworker who tells me it is Punchki, but uh, Jerish Bakery, bless, best place to go get a Punchki, 15 different varieties. Um, they're in Elk Grove Village, located what? on Arlington Heights Road. What's the name of the place again? Jerish? Jerish Bakery? Jerish. Jerosh. Jerosh. Jerosh Bakery. Thanks, <laughs> you got somebody correcting your pronunciation there. Yeah, my husband's next to me telling me how to correctly pronounce that's it. <laughs> that's what husbands are for. <laughs> Jerosh and Elk Grove Village, you said, right? Yes. All right. Very good. I appreciate your call today, and I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you so much. You too. Bye. All right. And my pal, uh, Bill Conforti, uh, just sent me a text uh, telling me about the Italian uh, bakery where Gladstones used to be. New Paradise Bakery, he says, is outstanding. So if you're, you know, if anybody knows about Italian pastries, it's uh, Bill Conforti. We made the announcement earlier, uh, well, a few days ago, last week we made the announcement. Bruce Springsteen coming to Chicago, going to be at Wrigley Field. And uh, now, uh, in case you hadn't heard, by the way, they have added a second show. Uh, the shows will be August, uh, let me run and pull this up here. So I give this to you correctly, but August 9th, August 9th, I believe it's August 8th and, and 9th. I'm only seeing, yeah, when I look this up on my phone, I'm only seeing uh, the one listing. But I do know that uh, another show, second show has been added. I believe it's August 8th and 9th now. It might be the 9th and 10th. Uh, so uh, if you're interested in that, tickets for the second show are going to uh, go on sale on Tuesday for uh, Bruce Springsteen fans. So uh, that's some fantastic news. Marianne, hi, you're on WGN. Good morning, or good afternoon, rather. Hey, afternoon, Dean. How's it going? Going pretty good. Talking Poonchkis, talking Springsteen, all my favorite things in life. Yeah, a couple of mine, too. Um, I called because when you're talking about that uh, new bakery where Gladstone Bakery was. Yeah. The, okay, uh, I grew up in that neighborhood in the 50s and 60s, okay, so I knew it well. But there is a lieutenant from the police department from 16th Precinct that calls in a bit on Bob Surratt's show. Mm-hmm. And he had brought up that place when it first opened on, on Milwaukee. And he said it's fantastic. You're talking about Italian the, the, the Italian, uh, new, new Italian place. Yeah. But then for Punchkis, I like... Um, Sweet Connections at oh, Northwest Highway yes. and Bryn Mawr. I've been there, yeah. That's a good place. 
And then another place that the officer had recommended that I go to a lot, and they have punch keys all year long, is uh, uh, Sweet Sweet Des- Sweet Paradise. Okay. And it's on Lawrence, no, Sweet Delight, on Lawrence, just east of Austin. Okay, all right. And you can, like I say, you can get punch keys all year long there. And I actually like the way the American style because they put more filling in it than the European style. Mm-hmm. And if you buy a, a box of them from Jewel, it has printed on the outside how you pronounce punchki in all these different <laughs> yeah. languages, German, Dutch. Oh, okay. Yeah, so if you want to learn, just buy a box of Jewel and read up on that. And uh, Right, uh, sit there, eat my punchkis, and, and, and learn a little something. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the the uh, new place that re- that uh, went to the spot where Gladstones was on Milwaukee Avenue uh, is called the New Paradise Bakery. Uh, right. That uh, my my our friend uh, Bill Conforti uh, re- recommended. He texted me and and uh, recommended to me uh, this uh, uh, police officer who's on Bob's show all the time. Uh, you know, and police officers know where all the good food is uh, that he he's recommended. So I haven't been there. I'm going to have to give it a shot because I'm. He a, said the one good thing about it is they have a lot of mini pastries. Mm. So he said their little mini cannolis were great. Nice. And the first couple of days that they opened, the line was two blocks down the street. Not a surprise. Not a Do you su- remember when it was Gladstone and they even had a drive-through across the street? I don't remember the drive-through. I I do remember yeah. when Gladstones was there. I would drive up there and you know pick up you know things for special occasions uh but i don't remember drive through but that's a really good idea yep so let me i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, uh talk about some seafood recipes here for the lenten season i wonder are you are you a, a lover of seafood at all people either yeah. tend to love it or hate it i love it and what's your favorite when you're gonna make something at home what's your favorite seafood um, I like me a good piece of cod with just some lemon pepper and olive oil on oh, it. Oh, nice, nice. Now, do you uh, do you saute that in the pan, or how do you, how do you prepare that? Um, sometimes I put it in the pan. I also have a steam steamer pan. Uh huh. And I have an air fry oven, so whatever I'm in the mood, I uh, cook it that way. Oh, that sounds. I, I hadn't even thought about air frying it, but so what do you do? Do you do you put like a breading on it, like breadcrumbs or something? I because I like the flavor of it with just the uh, the salt, the lemon pepper, and yeah, the cod itself, oil. right? And it's so nice and flaky and moist. I love that. I love. Uh, I'm, I'm going to actually on on TV this week, my regular cooking segment this coming Wednesday. I'm going to watch for it. Yeah. Oh, every Wednesday at nine thirty-five, I, I cook on uh, the morning news on TV. Oh, okay. Yeah, but. Um, I'm going to do a cod, and let me let me describe. Uh, first, I I take a, a pan, I saute some onions and garlic. I put in uh, some tomatoes. You can do fresh, but canned tomatoes are just fine as well. I break them up a little bit. Uh, so now I've got the onions, the garlic, the tomato, salt and pepper uh, on the cod. I'm going to put fresh cod. You put it in this, you know, mixture of tomatoes, onions, and garlic. Put the lid on the pan for about seven minutes, and it's all done. Doesn't that sound oh, that good? 
good. Doesn't that sound delicious? The f- yeah, there's a place that I order from around here. When they send the cod, it's got a light lemon butter on it oh, and nice. real thin grilled onions and some tomatoes. That's, I, I, I love it. Uh, I, I, I first, well, I mean, that's, that's sort of a Greek-style way of doing it, so I've had it as a kid that way, but there is... Yeah. There is Speaking a, of which, I grew up in a Greek neighborhood oh, really? in California. Oh, so. my gosh. Well, that's a su- super Greek around there back in the day, sure. It was. It was Greek on one side and German on the other. Right. You had all the good food going on. Yep. But, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there is a, a Mexican style of that's very similar with tomatoes and onions and uh, the cod, or really any, you could really put any kind of uh, fish. I just happen to like cod in that setting for the same reasons that you said. The the fish is delicious. It's sweet. It's boneless. That's a big deal for me also to not have the, not have, uh, the, the bones in it. But they also uh, include in it uh, green olives and capers, which which adds uh, you know to the mix uh, as well. So. Uh, a couple of ideas for the Lenten season. Uh, Marianne, I hope you have a great day today, and thank you for the call. Well, I'll, I'll make sure that I watch that on Wednesday, because you know, I, when I hear you on the radio talking about all your recipes and how you got that little grill that you take everywhere, and <laughs> it makes me want to go get something. There you go. All right. Have, have a great day today, Marianne. Thanks a lot for the call. Thank you. You too. All right. It's 1245 on WGN. Yeah, boy, we're getting just all kinds of ideas here for places uh, for Punchki. I want to get some of your ideas for some seafood recipes. I've got a salmon recipe I want to share with you in uh, a couple of minutes. Uh, and uh, what's your best way of, uh, you know, a nice, simple seafood dish something for as the lenten season begins uh on wednesday uh, a lot of people go meatless probably you know more than any other uh thing that they give up for uh, lent they give up meat and they go you know strictly vegetarian <clears throat> or seafood uh what's your favorite uh recipe uh 312-981-7200 we'll get to that next correct bruce springsteen dates Coming into Wrigley Field, first time since 2012, by the way, that he's been there. Uh, And uh, he will be at the Friendly Confines on the 9th and 12th, excuse me, 9th and 11th, on the 9th and 11th. You can uh, check out Bruce Springsteen. Tickets are going to go on sale this coming Tuesday morning for that uh, second show talking seafood recipes as the Lenten season about to begin on our food time show today on WGN. And let's uh, start things off with Norma. You've got a good recipe for me, Norma? Hi, Dean. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good. I've got a good salmon one. I do a a good salmon in the uh, cast iron with a little bit of teriyaki, put it in the oven for about 10 minutes or so, let it get crisp. And then I serve it with the side of uh, roasted asparagus, and then I do a little orzo pasta with some lemon and some fresh mm. parsley. Nice. Good to go. Nice, nice. That's very it's nice. Good. So for the for the salmon itself, all you are you putting salt and pepper? Anything? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I am. I'm putting a little bit of pepper on there, a little bit of avocado oil in the pan, just oh, lightly, okay. so it doesn't stick. In the cast and, uh, cast iron pan, you said. Yep, my cast iron pan. Put the salmon in, a little bit of pepper, and then I pour a little bit. I think it's uh, 
a Paul Newman uh, teriyaki uh, in the oh. bottle, and I just put a little bit of that on, brush it, you know, put it in the oven. And oh, it, is it that the, the Paul Newman? I've had it as a salad dressing. It's sesame yes. sesame ginger. Is it that one? No, it's a ter- it's got a teriyaki in it. I think oh, it might just be no. the teriyaki sauce. Might be a teriyaki itself. sauce itself. Okay, all right. Yeah, uh, that, yeah. but it's it's good. Yeah, that sounds really good. And I'll bet that teriyaki sauce caramelizes a little bit, right? As it cooks, it does. It crisps, you know, crisps it up on the top a little mm. bit too. I have a friend that just puts brown sugar on theirs and puts it in, but I haven't tried it that way. I'm sure that's very like good, but I think I like your way a little better. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I think I like you. I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna give that a try because I'm. Uh, I've I've talked a million times about. I I take a piece of salmon and I put honey mustard, salt and pepper, and then honey mm. mustard on it, and then I cook oh, it. Very similar to the way you cook it. It's delicious. But mm-hmm. I I you know like the hundredth time that I've done it, it's like I got to come up with some new ways to do the salmon because yeah, I'm, I'm doing yeah, the honey the mustard all the time. Yeah, and the side with that orzo pasta, fresh squeeze of yeah, lemon, yeah. and some fresh uh, diced parsley in there, I that like adds that. a little bit to it, too, on the side. Like but we got to balance it out, right, with Fat Tuesday coming. So. That's right. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. I appreciate the call. That's a great recipe. Thanks, Norma. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. You do the same. Barry, hi, you're on WGN. How you doing, Dean? Now, you've got a sea bash, uh, sea bass dish, right? Yeah, I mean, preferably use the Chilean sea bass if you can find it. If you can't find it, any any ocean sea bass will do. Um, I saw basic, some. I saw some uh, Chilean at uh, Whole Foods the other day. It looked beautiful. I al- almost yeah, it, almost it, was going to buy it, but I didn't want to take a second mortgage out of my house. Yeah, I know it, it's expensive. I mean, basically, basically, it's a simple recipe with the capers and. And lemon butter, salt, pepper, and then a uh, couple. Yeah, you you can drape it with just about anything you want that that you think tastes good. I I do it in foil, bake it, and then I broil it uh, the last like minute. And I think what makes it the best, I always serve it with uh, mashed potatoes mm. um, or the little red potatoes right on the side, and then I. Um, I fire my bell peppers, my red bell peppers, and then puree them after I peel oh, skin. Nice. And then after you puree them, do you put that on the fish? You you put it on the side on the potatoes. Oh, okay. And then you, when you're eating the fish, you can dip it into you dip it in uh, a little bit. Dip the fish into it. Oh, that's a fantastic idea. I love that. And that Chilean sea bass is so sweet and delicious. That yeah. It, it goes great with the bell peppers, the red right. bell peppers. Yeah. Plus, it gives it a little kick. I'm a big fan of a uh, <laughs> little spice. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, that's a that's a fantastic idea. I'm definitely going to give that a try because I want to. Um, I, I I just want to try to eat more seafood. Period. But uh, you know, for the Lenten season especially, you want to change it up a little bit. Find some new things to do. So that's, yeah, yeah. When you when you bake it, you always bake it with the the skin side down. Right. Well, obviously, it's deboned and it just it just falls apart. Right, right. It comes right up, right up off of the. I mean, you could even put the skin on the plate, and it comes right off. Uh, Correct. A, after it's cooked. Correct. Yeah, uh, that's so, a good one, Barry. I I, I especially love that pureed uh, red pepper. Good good yep, ideas. 
that's that's what makes the whole thing come together. That's what's so good about it. Yeah, sounds really good and super healthy too. Thanks very much for the call. And Jim, how about you? You're what are you doing with uh, shrimp? Yeah, shrimp. We do a little bit of uh, lint and uh, Mardi Gras. We have uh, sh- we have what is called a shrimp boil. We take shrimp, yeah, and scallops, corn on the cob, potatoes quartered. Oh, nice. Put it in a pot with about uh, two quarts of water and uh, Cajun seasoning. Oh. You get a package of Cajun seasoning. Let it go for about two three hours. Oh. You can't beat it. It's oh, that, so good. That sounds good. For you know, for a minute there, we, you're telling me about all this wonderful seafood and the potatoes and everything and water. I was like, well, that's kind of bland. But then you put that Cajun seasoning in there, and that's, that's the trick. That's the magic ingredient, isn't it? Right. Yes, it is. I got one more fast one for you. You're saying about um, salmon. We do salmon patties. Mm. We get the sockeye salmon in the can. Yeah. Put it in a bowl, a half a sleeve of rich crackers, okay. a couple of eggs, mix it all together, put it in your fridge, let it get cool. Yeah. While that's doing that, you get a pan with a little bit of oil in it, let it get hot. Yeah. The trick is that salmon's cool. You bring it out, you make patties out of it. Right. You set it in that hot oil, and it crisps up. You flip it over, and you got salmon patties. And then on the side, you make uh, potato pancakes with it. Oh, that's a nice idea, too. That's a nice... I'll have you over for lunch. Yeah, I was going to say. So uh, you're not putting any egg or anything to hold that salmon patty together. Yes, yes. One or two eggs. Oh, you're going to put... Okay, I was going to say... Yeah, you put some egg in there. Yeah, because otherwise that patty, would, I think, would fall apart, right? But Yeah, exactly. And then the the thing with those uh, potato pancakes, when a zucchini are are in in good season in that... We shred one of those up with a little bit of onion mm. and some Parmesan cheese and put it right in with, with the potato pancake wow, mix. Oh, very nice. Make zucchini patties. Very nice. Oh, that's a that's a nice uh, combo right there. Uh, perfect for the Lenten season. Perfect for right. people who are trying to get away from eating more meat. You know, personally, right. I'm just trying to eat a little more seafood. I'm trying to eat a little more healthfully and uh finding mediterranean diet right right right, exactly you know they're living to be a hundred years old on some of these islands in the mediterranean (laughs) you know yeah they are i want to be i want to be sitting here at wgn when i'm a hundred years old uh doing (laughs) i want to be the oldest wgn host ever guess what (laughs) i'll be listening to you all right I, you call in the day we both turn a hundred. You call in. I'll give you a prize. Whoa! Okay, sounds good. We'll uh, go for punch keys. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Appreciate the <laughs> call. You, great, appreciate great that. Show. Thanks, great buddy. Show. I, I, nice of you to call in. I appreciate it. Some good recipes there that uh, we've got. Uh, and uh, boy, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try the salmon patties. I'm going to try that Chilean sea bass. I love that. Uh, I was talking earlier about the uh, cod with tomato and garlic and onions. Somebody texted in and said, uh, try adding in some kalamata olives, you know, the Greek olives, and the capers uh, into that mixture as well. He says, I've been doing it that way for years, and it adds uh, a special touch. I'll bet that adds a really nice uh, Mediterranean touch. 
thank you all for such fantastic recipes here today. Uh, we're going to be cooking up some seafood. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll do the recipe your way Wednesday when I uh, cook the, the cod Mediterranean style on TV. In the meantime, uh, I'll see you tomorrow morning and Monday through Friday, 8 to 8, 8.30 on Bob Surratt Show and also on the WGN-TV Morning News.